It's the Mikey Bet Show, the Mikey Bet Show. Do you know the Mikey Bet Show? Come on, listen to the Mikey Bet Show, the Mikey Bet Show, the Mikey Bet Show. Do you know the Mikey Bet Show? Yes, the Mikey Bet Show, where the bookies get on. Hey guys, before we get into the show, I want to talk about Manscaped. So recently they just sent me over the Lawnmower 4.0. And like back in the day, I used to get these razor burns and these cuts on my balls every single time. And I would have to pull my balls. It would be looking like bat wings. I don't have to do that anymore after I got the lawnmower 4.0. I have the smoothest balls I've ever had in my life. So if you guys want smooth balls, you guys can go check out manscaped.com or their Twitter handle is at manscaped. And if you guys want, you guys can use the promo code MikeyBets. That's M-I-K-E-Y-B-E-T-S. Mikey bets, and you will get 20% off plus free shipping when you use that promo code. So go ahead, let's do that, and now let's get into the show. My point is... Are you ready to be fucked, man? I see you roll your way into the semis. Dios mio, man. Liam and me, we're gonna fuck you up. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Well, 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 Chris, what did you think of The Big Lebowski, my friend? Oh, it was a great movie. Great movie. I am disappointed it took me this long to watch it, but I'm thrilled that I did, you know? Fuck yeah, dude. There's like, what's the best part is the, uh, the over the line. And then um, what's the other one? Uh, You're going to fuck me? You're going to fuck me? Yeah, what a great! Yeah, he exposed himself to an eighth grader. Yeah, fucking eight. All right, hey that guys, crazy, that crazy Quintana. You know they made a uh, there's a sequel about him, and it it did awful. I think we talked about it with Frank the Tank on the last couple shows ago. No, what? I think that was I think that was our buddy Randy. Oh, <laughs> same person. Um, because we were talking about if if I'm not mistaken, I think we were talking that it went straight to DVD. And like, no oh, one, that's right. Right. No one was even aware that it was being made. That's think, right. Yeah. I think that it was just, first... right. Like, I'm pretty sure yeah. that I can't recall off the top of my head, but I want to say that's what we were looking up. But episode 20 here, Mikey. Episode 20, the end of season one for the Mikey Beck show. The this is, end of season one. This is one. true. This is true. Um, we're going to get back into our movie review. Uh, we're actually going to have Danny Mack on the show. He's going to be talking Bulls, Cubs, and the Big Lebowski and asking more uh, more to Chris about the movie review. But I do want to get into some big news that we do have going on for season two of the Mikey Betts show. Season two of the Mikey Betts show. Chris, uh, I can't believe we did it. I don't know. Yeah, we did it. I can't believe we did it. Oh, yeah. I'm proud of us. I'm really we, proud uh, of us. We're only... This is only the beginning, my friend. Yeah, season one. Uh, we we would love to thank Belly Up Sports. We appreciate everything that they did for us. Um, giving me a chance, giving me a platform and an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's just been an amazing ride. But now season two, we would love to announce that we are moving to the Barroom Network. And uh, Let's go. I'm fucking excited, man. Mike oh, yeah. North, 
Uh, although it, it's going to be so fucking fun, man. We're 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 excited to join the team, and uh, dude, it's just going to be it's going to be a good time. And uh, I'm excited, and we're we're also we're also moving to video, so you get to see our fucking faces, and uh, you can put more of a name to the face, and we'll get to see those blotched cartoons, which I worked really hard on, so don't make fun of them. Um, I I want to. Uh, I'll, yeah, but speaking with uh, speaking about season two, going to video. But I think we are. Oh, and Mikey, breaking news: we're also gonna. I think we're in the works for some new cover art. New cover art, yes, yes. We're gonna season be season two, so we're gonna introduce uh, uh, possibly. It's still in the works, so we're not even sure what it's going to look like ourselves, but we're going to get some new uh, artwork. It's going to be pretty dope, Mikey. Yeah, there's a lot going to be going on and a lot of big changes to the show. Um, Yeah, I can't fucking wait. And we got to wait because we can't really say anything too much. We're actually announcing it maybe a day earlier than we should, but the listeners should get to know. Yeah, we Um, can at least, exactly, we can at least say that. We can let people know where to find us for season two. You can go to that's at Barroom Network. Uh, follow them on social media everywhere. You can follow Mikey Betts at at Real Mikey Betts, or you can find Chris. I like how we just bounced off each other. You can find Chris at uh, Chris underscore MB Show. Uh, it's going to yeah. be good, everybody. So yeah, season two, look out for us. But we end we end season one on on the highest of notes. And that's me saying that. Oh fuck yeah, dude! We got first of all, we got get it on the show. What do you say? Oh yeah, because you're always getting stoned. Seaweed. Ah ha ha. The highest of the the seaweed on the highest of highs, and he's talking about the podcast. Jesus, dude! (laughs) But it's a great one. Come on. Yeah, no, it's a great dude. It's the best show. It's the best show that we've had. We've had. We have. Danny Mac on the show talking Bulls, Cubs, and Big Lebowski. We have Mattress Mac coming on the show to talk about his $3.5 million bet on the Houston Astros. And then we have... We got Rod Blagojevich, former... Mm. What if people thought Elvis was coming back? I know, we got oh. Rod Blagojevich. Oh, shit, Elvis. Elvis. <laughs> former... And we got we to gotta let the people know. Sorry to cut you off right there, Mike. But that interview was in person. We actually had the pleasure of uh, sitting down with Rod for. Yeah, that was yeah, it was dope. We we went to Las Carola. Shout out Armando. Shout out Las Carola. And uh, we gonna drop a little bit more news on here. We're gonna be on a documentary. We're gonna be on a documentary. Uh, we don't know whether it's Hulu or something, but we're gonna be on a a Rod Lagojevich documentary. And he's proud to say that. He's going to be talking about it on the podcast or on the interview. And uh, we can't wait for you guys to listen. Yeah, he talks about his future. He talks about his past, the past situation and how he's been away and what got him there. But uh, all in all, just a a really good interview. Um, Really grateful that he was able to give us that lengthy interview and that yeah. much of his time you know um it was oh, it was great also side note we have this on video too he slapped my ass that was fucking dope when i uh wait it was more like the top of my thigh a little bit lower waist but it was it was like hey good job kid After I, I showed him a picture of what i used to look like a couple hundred pounds ago and uh 
it was good to nice get a nice little slap from the former governor. Nice little uh, confidence booster. A little slap ass. Oh. It's it's a little more than the slap on the wrist I'm accustomed to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're a fucking... What's <laughs> 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 uh, fucking wrong with this? All right, guys. So right now we're going to have Danny Mac on the show. Danny Mac's coming on. Um, hope you guys enjoy this interview. This interview is going to be amazing. And we're going to transition it right afterwards. So stop, enjoy, and listen to Danny Mac. The animal. The animal. All right, guys. Welcome in Danny Mac, uh, one of our favorite guests on the show. One of our absolute favorite Danny, that's for sure, uh, as, uh, as Chris would like to call him. The animal. The heavyweight champ of the world. Yeah, heavyweight drinker in the world. <laughs> um, so let's talk about a little bit of the news for the Bulls. You want to? Exactly. Zach team say, kid. How do you feel about it? I mean, it's well deserved. He should be starting day one. Give us the starting five then. No, I'm kidding. He should not be starting, but it should be, um, Devin Booker. Jason Tatum, Kevin Love, Kevin Durant. Yeah, shut the fuck up. What uh, point guard said that they were going to play? I forget. There's a point guard. Eesh. I don't remember. I know it's Donovan Mitchell. Um, hold on a second. Donovan Mitchell, uh, Devin Booker, Zach Levine, the shooting guards, Chris Middleton, and like Jason Tatum as the small forwards, Kevin Durant, Kevin Love as the power forwards. And then you got um, uh, Draymond Green. Who else? Fucking missing people. Oh, we got Bam, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker. Jeremy Grant, the shooting guard. He's a power forward. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Fuck's wrong with me. Uh, Draymond Green is on the team. Drew Holiday. There you go. Yeah. Is there another point guard or no? No. So maybe they start that. Dame. Dame is your point guard. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's starting. And then you'll have Devin Booker at the two. At the three, Jason Tatum. Four, Kevin Durant. And the five, probably Draymond Green, right? You know what I see here? You know what? This is an opportunity as a Bulls fan. I see this as a recruitment for uh, Zach Levine to bring in Dame or something. Uh, one of yeah, these players. Bradley Beal. But, I mean, he plays no defense. So, I mean, that's it'd be nice to get Dame a little. Though. That'd be fucking awesome. Or 40 miles away, you know who I wouldn't mind is uh, Chris Middleton. I know he's just like – he reminds me of like a Luol Deng kind of guy. He's not the most important or the he best. He's a lot of fucking money, though. Did he just sign a contract like a year and a half ago? Um, I think it was two years ago and then third year's player option. I forgot what it was. Oh, yeah, but he signed like a five-year deal or something like that. It had to have been. The way the NBA works, you could trade your way out of anything. Any, like, yeah, that's you true. Take the money, yeah, but take the bag now. They're going to get to an NBA final, so I don't see him – I don't see him getting out of, like, where the fuck would he want to leave? They just got to the NBA final. Yeah, no, I, I see this as a huge recruitment. Even for Drew Holiday, dude, that would be nice. I don't see him going anywhere. Uh, Dame would be nice. That would be the uh, – And stay in Cleveland. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jeremy Grant would be a good fucking four for us. Yeah, but he'd have signed a deal for, for Detroit. He signed a 
he signed a deal with Detroit? Last summer, yeah. He was like, that's yeah. the only place I was going to give him money and became an all-star. But did he get the all-star or not? No, I don't think he did, actually. No, he didn't. He averaged like, but, he averaged like oh, three, yeah, he got three year, $60 million deal. Yeah. And we already have a power forward, so I mean, I guess we can move Vooch to the five. Kind of as a center. Um, well, let's talk about the Bulls. I want to see what, for the offseason, what is the what is the move that we can put at the four for us? We can keep Vooch at five. Who, who do we move to the four? I mean, I guess you could go kind of, it's not really small, but like, I mean, he's not considered a part four, but have Petty, have P. Will, Project Pet at the four. Okay. You'd put and him at the four? Have, I mean, you could, theoretically. Yeah, you definitely can. Uh, and then who would be you at the three? I mean, you would have, that's where you make a move to get a, Either another shooting guard, small forward, small forward, shooting guard, whatever, and then you just slide them at the three. Or you, you know what I mean? You can just go small and have I two feel shooting like we, guards. We need another big guy because uh, basketball, the way that it's being played, I feel like centers are coming back. They're making a huge comeback. And, yeah, we have Vooch, but he's more of a power forward. Uh, I mean, he's a good center, but it'd be nice just to have an extra big dude. And as far as it goes for, like, small forwards – I wouldn't mind grabbing Reggie Bullock. He's a pretty good guy. He plays good defense. Uh, yeah, but he's not a starter, though. He's like a bench player. I know, but then that means you could put Thad as the starter. Yeah, he's not really a starter either, though. I, I like him off the bench because he's got, like, hustle and physicality. You know what I mean? And guys off the bench are usually just trying to jack up shots. It just blows like because – Change of pace kind of guy. The only small forwards available this year – uh, for in free agency, obviously not through trade. We can make something work through trade, but Otto Porter Jr. Don't want to bring that guy back. Let's bring Kelly, him back. <laughs> bring the band back. Uh, Kelly Oubre, not a fan. Trevor Ariza is too old. Doug McDermott, don't want to bring him back. Stanley Johnson, not a starter. Maurice Harkless, I'd bring him. I'd bring him in. But uh, absolutely not. No. No. Yeah, I guess not. I mean, I don't know. I think they're going to have to go through trades or they, they move back into the draft. I can see them doing that, dude. You see, uh, oh, yeah, Kobe White, like, what was it, like a week or two ago? He, like, blew out his shoulder and fucking playing pickup game or something, something somewhere. Of course he didn't. He's out. I'm done with that guy. Yeah. After that, dude, you're already on thin ice with Bulls fans. And I do some stupid shit like that. I don't know, dude. That guy is a fucking... Ding dong. Yeah, yeah it's a fucking idiot is what he is. Um, backup well, we the, the Vucevic trade, we officially won it because we gave up a eighth pick overall and Wendell Carter, who's like a sixth man at best, for a two-time All-Star. Yeah, it's an easy dub. Yeah, at the end of the day, that. what would we – so if that draft pick, if we got the third pick, was that it? Like they just lucked out on it? Yeah, they fucked up, yeah. Oh, that's it. Oh, wow. Holy shit. The only reason um, we came so close is because of the two weeks Zach Levine was out, and we wouldn't have gotten that good of an opportunity, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, and then we lost up. a lot of games that didn't – or we won a lot of games that didn't matter at the end, and it was just like, dude, you're you're putting yourself in a worse position. But at the end of the day, you don't want to tank because we all see that tanking never fucking works. Yeah, it doesn't. Look at the fucking Philadelphia 76ers. Trust the process. They got one guy that's good out of, like, fucking eight years drafted in the first round. So who are we looking at the point position then? 
It's either fucking Dennis Schroeder, who I, he didn't really end up. He looked like shit in the playoffs, or Lonzo Ball. I mean, I don't mind Lonzo Ball because he plays defense. So we already got guys that could score. We need a guy that could defend the ball. You know what I mean? Uh, campaign. No, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. Fuck, fuck him. He's only so good because he plays with like a, a very good team. He's he takes every um, wide open shot. You know, you know who I think would be a good? I'm just gonna bounce off the wall here for a second. You know who would be a good backup uh, center for us to ring in? Not, who's not making shit? Is Hassan Whiteside? Throw him out of that. What? I mean, yeah, I guess, but he's a bad for the Kings, and he, he had a decent year, but he was on the Kings. That's why nobody really said anything. I'd rather you could go after, could go after uh, Marvin Bagley. Yeah, Marvin Bagley would be good. Um, he wants out of um, he wants out of Sacramento trade, and it looks like they uh, what's his name wants out of uh, there too. Um, the point guard who just signed a huge deal, uh, De'Aaron Fox. Oh, De'Aaron Fox, yeah, he's a stud. I heard he, he wants to yeah. leave, too. I mean, you blame him? His dad hates that fucking team. He always talks shit on Twitter, De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> really? Yeah, he always talks shit. It's fucking terrible. Well, I mean, Marvin Bagley's still, like, 20, what is he, like, 22? I'll give him a shot. I mean, if you traded for Marvin Bagley, um, you can start him at the four, Vucevic at the five, Patrick Williams at the three, and then Zach Levine at the two. Maybe get Alonzo Ball as well at the one. It's not a bad starting five, to be honest with you. Young, athletic. Yeah. Oh, I would do it. I just – I don't know what AK's mind is. What's yeah, going I know. I mean, he's yeah. actually creative, so we could be fucking lowballing him. What he's thinking, you know what I mean? Exactly. He's probably fucking trying to find a way to rule the world. Uh, <laughs> I, I, he's going to he's gonna go balls to the wall, though. Look what he did for the – he made insane trades for the Nuggets. I wish I could remember them off the top of my head, but look at the one with uh, Jer- Jerkic. What's what's his name? Um, the guy went, that went to the Blazers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, well, they, he I was a part of all the for all those guys. All the guys that they drafted, I mean, he was a part. He was in that room that made those decisions. Yeah, yeah exactly. So the dude was a stud the way he was making them. And, uh, I mean, I think he left – the Nuggets because he's he knew that they weren't ever going to win a championship and like he I don't know it's like he got his fresh start and uh, a fresh campus. I mean who would you rather work for the fucking Denver Nuggets or the Chicago Bulls you know what I mean yeah exactly exactly That's what that I think right and what he was the general manager there right uh no he was like a sit like he might have been the general manager but they I think they had a basketball operation so he was like the second guy in line you know what I mean oh okay that makes sense um, do you think that our new general manager will have any uh say in what goes on in the off season? Mark Eversley? Oh, yeah. oh, I think so. Uh what do you think I about his connection to Philly? You think he's gonna try to make a trade to Phil- with Philly for Ben Simmons? I mean I think he'll give him like his like honest two cents about fucking uh Ben Simmons, you know what I mean? I don't think if he says no, I think then it'll be like, oh, okay, then we're not doing it. But I heard that they're um, like openly talking to the Sixers about shit like that to see if they would be interested in a trade. That's what yeah. I read somewhere. The combine's in uh, Chicago right now. You see who's hosting it? Who's uh, who's running the whole thing? No, who is? Jim Boylan. You're fucking joking, right? 
I, I swear to God, Jim Boylan is running. What the fuck is he possibly be doing there? Just, you know, what, what our high school coaches did, you know, do laps, layups, you know, just the fucking normal drills. Oh, my God. What a fucking loser. He brought, you know how they say some people who can't do teach? He's the teacher. He basically got cucked out of a coaching job. <laughs> I really like that guy so much. I'm so glad he's gone. Yeah, me too. I thought they were going to – because you know how Jerry is. He's fucking loyal. He probably would have kept him around play, for a coach for Hoffman or something. I just couldn't believe that they, the day that they re-signed him. Like, oh, yeah, we're giving him a three-year deal extension. Like, for what? Yeah, why did you do that? This guy should be selling fucking popcorn. <laughs> so, uh, no, he actually – he does look like a beer guy that's, like, definitely a beer vendor. Oh, he yeah. definitely looks like – you put him in one of those uniforms just screaming. No, he He's got his own, like, fucking pickup song that he sings. Yeah. It's like fucking Humpty Dumpty. I still have my burner account because the Bulls, they blocked me for saying I wish wish Tim Boylan had COVID. (laughs) I'll never forget that in my life. Uh, uh, Zach is number five for Team USA. It's pretty schnappy. Yeah, but I I thought – Kevin Durant was number five last Olympic, so let's let's see what Kevin Durant's wearing. Yeah, true. Um, you know today's history. You know that, right? I I actually saw something today, and I always forgot what it was. Was that with oh, Dennis Rodman? Two? No, I don't know. Maybe there's three things in Bulls history then, but here's two. Uh, nine years ago, or twelve years ago today? No, two thousand seventeen. Uh, two thousand seven. Help me out here, Danny. That's like 14, 13, 14. 14 years ago today, yeah, Bulls drafted Joe Kim Noah. Oh, nice. I didn't read that, no. And 21 years ago today, the Cavs drafted Jamal Crawford with the eighth pick in the 2000 NBA draft, and then they traded him to the Bulls for Chris Mim and Cash. Imagine we kept Jamal Crawford around. That would have been a fucking great deal. Would have been a great team, too. Got, he, I think he's one of the only players to get 50 points on three different teams. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And then, ever um, seen the inter- I might have said this before, but you ever see the interview where he, like, they ask him every, like, I forget how many fucking 48-point games he has, but they ask him about it, like, what team he's playing for. And then he names, like, every single asshole that guarded him in every single game. It's hilarious. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he, he had a crossover. It's fucking disgusting. The and then, um, speaking of old Bulls, you hear what our, our favorite Chicago Bulls and never put on a jersey said? What? Uh, Jay Williams says. He did put on a Chicago Bulls jersey. I know. I'm just joking around. But I fucking hate Jay Williams. Oh, Um, yeah. uh, Yeah, I know what you're going to say. Go ahead, though. I would love to see Damian Lillard and Zach Levine in Chicago, one of the most lethal backcourts that can ever exist, put these dudes together. Oh, I thought you were going to say, did you see what he said about uh, KD? uh, the The guy that got the job for the Celtics? Oh, the first, yeah, congratulations. I mean, the first black head coach for the Celtics. <laughs> it's like, dude, they've had like four or five of them. I mean, if you just go back to 2008 when they won the championship, I'm pretty sure Doc is a black guy. I hope my eyes aren't yeah. deceiving me. And then, like, two other guys. Um, fucking, I forget the one guy's name, but um, Bill Russell, I don't know. He fucking coached him, too. He's like one of the most historically famous fucking NBA players. Definitely a black dude. Definitely a black dude. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then he and then he was like, oh, yeah, like even LeBron commented, like, is this guy fucking serious, dude? Like he's like, I hope uh, your shit got hacked. And then like two hours later, uh, yeah, he goes, didn't even he didn't even admit to it. That's the worst. Like, dude, don't be a yeah. Fuck. He was like, yeah, my oh, shit got oh, hacked. Oh, I was hacked. Out of all the things that people can say on a hacked account, they're like, yeah, congratulations to the first Boston Celtics um, African American head coach. Right, like somebody. That's the first thing that they're gonna fucking say. That. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, finally, I have reached my, like, my I potential. I fucking hate this guy so much, dude. What a fucking moron. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you came out and said, like, yo, bad take, my bad. Like, shit happens. Yeah, I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. Like, we all we all fuck up, but don't say I was hacked. Like, you're not fucking perfect, he was. And, like, Who's hacking his account? Like, nobody even knows who he is except, like, people that know about bad school. Exactly. Fucking coward. Um, Let's transition it really quick. Uh, to our movie review because I have Mr. Chris with me and he just saw The Big Lebowski for the first time. For the first fucking time? <laughs> Chris, what were your thoughts on The Big Lebowski for the first time? Oh, that was fucking great. I liked it. Best, what's, what was the best scene? Your favorite scene? Hmm. Over the line! Yeah, that might be. And then he, and then he snitches on him later. When, oh, yeah. When there's the voicemail on his his recorder as he's making it a white russian mm-hmm. hey man i just want to let you know i called the i called the police yeah no not the police <laughs> we called the uh league officials yeah i called the officials. let them know <laughs> and then the very next voicemail is i heard someone on your team pulled out a firearm <laughs> <laughs> what a great fucking movie oh um, it's so funny and it was your favorite scene uh, I mean, I don't know about my favorite scene, but my favorite line is, um, where he, uh, he's like smoking the joint in his like bathtub. He's like, well, that's just like your opinion, man. I don't know if he's in the bathtub actually, but he's just like, whatever, man. That's just like your opinion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I fucking love that line. I use that a lot. Mine is when, uh, he answers the door fucking hammer or just like hung over <laughs> and just like so displeased. And it's the guy that owes him money or that he owes money to. It's like his landlord. And, like, his landlord just, like, is obsessed with him because he's just so fucking yeah. cool. And he's like, come by my, yeah. <laughs> yeah, come by for my performance. Hey, by the way, uh, <laughs> rent was due last fucking month. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just so, just, like, just so annoyed, like, he's even having to ask for the mortgage. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the way, he's the 10th. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. Oh, fuck. You're out of your element, Donnie. You're out of your element. That was one of the best scenes too. Is when they fucking <laughs> when he fucking died. I was heartbroken when fucking Donnie died. Chris called me. It's fucking eleven thirty at night. He's like, you wouldn't believe it. I said, what? He said, Donnie died. I was just talking about forty five. <laughs> I started tearing up. <laughs> oh, oh my god! What else was a good scene from? I mean, they're all fucking delicious scenes. But oh, the best was when uh, they were spreading the ashes. Got all this fucking beer, dude. <laughs> Or when he's at the the rich dude's house and uh, she's like, "I'll suck your dick for like five hundred bucks or something like that," and then like he sits oh, yeah. down next to her, and then he gets up and leaves. He's like, "I'm gonna head to the cash machine." <laughs> no, <laughs> when uh, when fucking Walter, he's like, "I've never been more convinced of anything." Oh, I'm just gonna bring that up. This asshole, this asshole can walk. This asshole can walk. I've never been more sure of anything in my life. <laughs> fucking screaming on the floor. And just let him, just fucking drops him, dude. No, I always think of uh, Gunther when uh, he's, I'm a fucking veteran. 
<laughs> this isn't Vietnam, Walter. Hey, or is, this is uh, nothing to do with Nam. <laughs> he fucking had uh, his um, his wife's dog, his his wife's purebred Pomeranian. It was just a fucking <laughs> like a little mutt. <laughs> I paid two thousand dollars for this thing. He fucking got robbed, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. When I think of when I think of Walter, I think of Gunther for sure. Absolutely, there's no no yeah, doubt in my mind. We pulled up today. I told Mikey, I said, "Slow it down to 15, I'll roll out." <laughs> Wait, what do you say? I said when I when we pulled up, I said, "Slow it down to 15, I'll I'll roll my way out." Like when they're uh, throwing me at fucking suitcase. The fucking Gunther starts spraying in the fucking street. Yeah. <laughs> ah, damn! What a fucking great. You Great. Go bowling, uh, dude. <laughs> right after it's all yeah, over. Right, yeah, fuck it. Let's go bowling. <laughs> yeah. Or are you just fucking pissed at the, the, the Russian spies or whatever who was following him? Fuck out of here. Oh, what a great fucking movie. Um, what would you guys give that movie out of ten? Ten, right? I'd give it a ten. Uh, I don't think anything's a ten. Oh, here we go. He's got a point. No, dude, no, I hate these people. I hate these people. You gotta be so fucking critique. Why? What is it then? Eight point nine? No, it's like a I'd say like a nine three, nine four range. Like all right. What would you change? Uh not killing Donnie. <laughs> so I, if yeah, they didn't kill I, Donnie it'd be ten. I agree with him No, I'd be like a nine point seven. Yeah, but like then it wouldn't have the the ash. No, nah, no, because that is a famous scene, so I guess like you kinda have to kill him now at this point. Yeah. True, right? No. What are we? I'm the best part. The best scene is where he goes, "You fuck me. You're gonna fuck me. I'm gonna fuck you." And he's fucking, uh, fucking up the car. He's just beating the shit out of a car that's not even. (laughs) 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 Stupid little kid. Kid was a punk. I like. What was the kid's name? Ah, Johnny probably. Like when he calms down, he's like. Johnny was about to crack. (laughs) (laughs) That shit definitely wasn't Mikey. No, it fucking wasn't Walter. (laughs) 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 Fucking great movie. Um, Soundtrack was soundtrack's phenomenal. Phenomenal. What's another movie you haven't watched, Chris? Something like a cult classic like that. Pulp Fiction. You haven't watched Pulp Fiction? Oh my god, dude! What the fuck? Yeah, Pulp Fiction's next week. Danny, I have a, te- I have like, I just have like attention problems. Like, I don't, I don't know. I have a hard time like just sitting still. Are you? You got, a, you got a you problem. Yeah, I mean it is. I'm working on it. Yeah, hey man, <laughs> dude, take it easy. What's your problem? Take it easy. Hey, first hey, the guys, the guys working on it, eh? Yeah, I'm walking here. Yeah. But look what happens. I give a movie. I just get around to watching a movie and I fucking enjoy it. So, I got to tell you though. Pulp Fiction's fucking like those cult classics. The ones that are like three and a half hours, and you're like, oh my gosh, dude, I don't well, want to watch a three and a half hour movie. But any Tarantino like, movie is fucking awesome, I think. Any Tarantino. Have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah, that was pretty good. My, I don't think it. Okay, it was good. It was good. It's not uh, as good as like Pulp Fiction or like. No, uh, no, 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 dude. Like what's the, the first what's like the two one hours of Pulp Fiction where it's like Mr. Pink, Mr. Blue, Mr. White, right. Reservoir Dogs, Mr. Yeah, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, that Mr. one's really uh, good. I haven't seen that. Uh, eight, eight, uh, eight crazy. No, what is it? Eight, eight the hateful eight. eight. No, eight crazy nights. Fucking good. 
Oh, that's a great movie. That's Adam Sandler's one of his best. Yeah. So I later post a goal. That's pretty spot on. Yeah, right? That was pretty good, huh? It looks like it was just a drop. It might get a copyright lawsuit. Get in the flask. <laughs> oh, what was the, what was the, uh, Whitey. White, Whitey, that was his name. But they tipped him over and, uh, in the port Yeah, he's like, smiley, uh, it's going to be me in 20 years. If I keep it up. <laughs> so Danny got rained out today. That's why we had a chance to get him on the show. Um, Give us a, a day in the life of Danny's rained out day. Um, well, I'm sitting in a parking lot right now, and I'm probably going to go get pizza and some beer, nice. maybe. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Maybe wings. What, re- I don't know. what restaurant? I don't know. I probably just go to Pyramid. It's close. I don't know. Oop. Maybe not. I like to get the uh, the appetizer sampler from there. Dude, I don't. I like everything on it except the fucking fried ravioli. I think that's. Oh, uh, you know, dude, that was coming out of my mouth. That's fucking hilarious. It's like, like yeah, I don't. It's a fucking. It's uh like. What the fuck's inside of it? It's um. It's like not even real cheese. It's like fucking ricotta. I don't know, dude. It sucks though. They put like, it's like a spicy ravioli, dude. Just put mozzarella. Let me dip in a marinara, dude. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Got to go to a place like Prairie Pub for that. You know what I'm saying? Mm, delicious. Hey, what are you doing for the fourth? I don't know, bro. I want to go to Indiana, buy a bunch of fucking fireworks with people, but nobody ever wants to do it. We might be going to. Well, what are we doing for the fourth? I don't. Know. I I know I'm going with Kayla on a boat somewhere, and then after the boat, we're not really doing anything. We might go to fucking Armando from Las Corolla. He invited us, so we might go there. Um, oh, we'll see. <laughs> Where are you going to light fireworks at? In Indiana? No, he's, he wants to go buy some. Oh, you're going to go buy some? Yeah, yeah buy them. I was fucking lighting my backyard in my head, too. You know where you go is Crazy Caps. Crazy Caplins. You guys see that place on the highway? Oh, I see it. They have a fucking ton of them, right? Oh, yeah. There's like a, they're like a chain. Fucking idiots. What's wrong with the Cubs, Danny? They're starting pitching. Wait, who? What's wrong with the Cubs? Who? The Danimal. There we go. They're starting pitching. It's a fucking, oh, they stuck. They probably got the worst time pitching in the major leagues. That's like of a winning team. It's almost like they could use you, Darvish. Yeah, but you know what would happen? He would have fucking, fucking. Like, he would have had one good year again, and then he would suck next year. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least you got something out of it. You got what they get, like, fucking seven, 16-year-olds out of them. At least one of them's going to be good. Seriously, hopefully one pans out. You won't know for five fucking years, though. Yeah, that's the fucking downside is that you'll, we won't know for a while. But they might, it might be time to start trading off pieces now. You think so? I mean, yeah, you, you would fucking think. Yeah, I mean, I who knows what they're going to do, bro. It's really. I could not guess what they're going to do. Like, I, I don't have a clue. Breaking news, breaking news. Sopranos has come out with their prequel, Many Saints of New York. Or oh my gosh, Saints of Newark. Huge news for the uh, for the Italians and any fans of Sopranos. You're Polish, so you're not really affected. You ever say that again, bro? You can call me late for dinner. Don't call me. <laughs> that's not the, that's not the move, my friend. Don't do that. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey. How you doing? 
Hey. Uh, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Or that was the show for fucking the whole time. Hey, how you doing? Do you hear it just died? No. Chris, you hear, you hear it just died? No. We could, we could end it with this. Uh, it's pretty sad news. Paul Walker died. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Recently? Yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah they come back as a cyborg in the new fucking movie. Fast and Furious 10. Cyborg. He fights the Cyborgs. Terminator. CGI cyborg. And a fucking Mustang. <laughs> the Mustang. It just turns into really just, it's just Transformers. They're just fucking, <laughs> <laughs> fucking Optimus Paul Walker. Yeah. Optimus Prime, they put Paul Walker's brain in the fucking Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, thanks for coming on, and uh, we can't wait to have you on the show again soon. Awesome, manana. Well, there you go, Danny. <laughs> Mac. Yeah. The animal. The animal. I don't think uh, he was too thrilled about the nickname, though. No, 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 no. Remember, I told him at the bar, and he kind of like was just like, no, nah, it's fucking lame. So we'll <laughs> stick with... Uh, We'll stick with Danny Mac, I guess. Uh, yeah, we'll stick with Danny Mac. Uh, next is, uh, now we're going to jump right into the next guest, actually. The next guest is going to be the biggest... Crazy story. Fa- crazy fucking story, dude. This guy, <laughs> this guy reached out to me. He, like, sent me a message on my Twitter. I was I just got home, just laid down to work, and he's or after work, and... Uh, I get a message like, hey, Mattress Mac wants to tell you and uh, tell your listeners about his big bet, blah, 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 blah. Reach out, hit the contact. And I was like, this is a scam. What the fuck? But whatever. Got nothing to lose. So I, I reached out and uh, did the contact information, got all of it. And lo and behold, I get on a Zoom meeting with Mattress Mac or some old dude in an Astros jersey. But I, I'm pretty sure it was Mattress Mac. Uh, 70-year-old legend. He is the owner of a furniture gallery in texas you guys cannot miss the billboards if you're in texas he really is a legend no he's a legend this guy this guy did so much for the community during covid and we talk about it in the podcast i don't know uh chris you definitely heard it when you cut it out but um Mm -hmm. yeah he he did a lot he did a lot and uh the past hurricanes and you know the past huge help these next two, I want to talk about this really quick. These next two guests, uh, they, they're really uh, re- good good guys. You know, uh, Rod was, I mean, so was Danny. Good, good religious guys. Um, but all, all God-fearing men. Yeah, all three God-fearing men right here. So uh, that's, all, that's all I really want to say is, you know, they're good guys. They got good heart on their chest. Yeah, they make some mistakes. But uh, at the end of the day, they, uh, they're all God-fearing uh, good men. And innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, and innocent until proven guilty. First thing fucking Rod came on. Hey, guys, how you doing? I didn't do a fucking thing. Right? Don't, yeah, don't, don't, don't. Yeah, I'm not spoiling it. That still no. gets me every time. That's like within, uh, listeners will find out within two minutes of, yeah. of the Rod Blagojevich interview, uh, what we're oh. talking about. <laughs> Exactly. I want to also give a shout out uh, to everybody who helped us out with that interview, especially, um, like I said, Las Carola, Armando, thank you again. I want to give a shout out to the, the guys that really help us out too. They give us places to record as well. Um, obviously, American Family Insurance, thank you to Austin, especially during season one for letting us use your place. Uh, shout out to, like I said, Las Carola. And then thirdly, which we're going to start using as well, is uh, Chicago Cut. 
to be going to that their uh, restaurant to be doing interviews. That's going to be fucking exciting. Um, and then another exciting thing I want to talk about for season two is uh, Mikey Betts will be traveling to Maryland and uh, doing a nice little interview with a certain restaurant in a certain little town in a certain state of Maryland. Probably uh, it's a, it's Baltimore, but uh, that'll be fun. Now no, we transition just into more big part. things for season two. But yeah, more big we... things for season two. Before we get to the Rod Blagojevich interview, we want to bring you our Mattress Mac interview. Mattress Mac, as Mikey was saying earlier, Houston legend, placed a bet on his beloved Astros. Ten to one, Mikey? Ten to one. Three Ten and to half. one. Three and a half million. I think he, what, did two two different bets, but in totality, three and a half million for his Astros. Ten to one. Let's bring you that interview right now, Mattress Mac, here on the Mikey Betts Show. Mattress Mac, how the hell are you? I'm good. How are you, Mikey? Good to be I'm, on the show. Thanks. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you uh, coming on. So let's talk about Tuesday. Tuesday, you placed a nice little bet. Uh, let's talk about it. Yeah, I bet on the Houston Astros to win the World Series at ten to one. I bet two million dollars with. Um, William Hill and a million dollars with FanDuel. So uh, bet $3 million and it will return $30 million if the Astros win the World Series as they did in 2017. And then you placed a $250,000 bet on DraftKings as well, right? For them to win at 10 to 1? Uh, uh, DraftKings was 16 to 1. And then I also bet 100000 at score was 16 to 1. So uh, I'm in line uh, if the Astros win it all to. Uh, Collect uh, light burning thirty five million six hundred thousand. Thirty five million six hundred thousand. Oh my gosh! If I've ever seen that money in my life, I'd probably be dead in three days. <laughs> oh man! I you know what? It's crazy to me. I'm uh, actually affiliated with Bet Rivers Casino and Sportsbook. So what we do is, uh, you know, we do the same thing. So I'm, I'm kind of shocked you guys haven't you haven't placed a bet with Bet Rivers. I have a Where promo code. That's in Illinois, Philadelphia, New Jersey. Uh, so if you ever come to Chicago or if you ever want to make a bet in Chicago, you can use my promo code, actually. It's called MikeyBets, and you're going to match the uh, match deposit bonus up to $250. And I know that you placed well over $250, but, hey, anything helps, right? Every little bit helps. That's right. Mikey yep. Bets. I'll check it out next time I go to Jersey. Uh, yeah, Jersey, uh, it would be Sugar House Casino. And then if you go to Illinois, it'll be Rivers uh bet rivers illinois so but anyways man astros you you trust dusty baker like that i think dusty baker's a great manager i think the astros have a new very good general manager and obviously they got great players and they got seven good starting pitchers most teams have three they got seven good starting pitchers so obviously nothing's uh given but the astros have been in the alcs the last four years in a row and they look good this year so we're going to see what comes up in uh, July, August, September, going into October and November. And what I like about future bets as well is uh, you can always cash out. Since you placed that bet, the Astros went from uh, 10 to 1 to 7 to 1. Since you placed that bet. So that, that just goes to show that you make the lines move. You know what I'm saying? It It's an advantage for you. I was wondering, did the cash out option go up at all? Or did you have a chance to look at that? Cash out option, I don't even know what that is. 
Oh, so if you if you look on your FanDuel, your your DraftKings, they give you an option to cash out. So if your odds go from ten to one to seven to one, they say, "Hey, you place two million, but we'll we'll cash you out for four and a half million if you want to take the bet back. If you want to cash out, we'll give you four and a half million. So they give you like a cash out option. I'm surprised you never heard of that. Never heard of that. I've done a lot of futures bets, so I have to check that one out. Yeah, I man. Not tell my wife to be wanting to cash out. I, me, yeah. I like to gamble. Exactly. It's it's fun, dude. That it makes it probably makes uh, the uh, Astro season ten times, or actually, yeah, ten to one times better uh, and more exciting for you this year. Yeah, you know, I run a furniture store. We have promotion if you buy three thousand dollars mattress or better, and the Astros win, you get it back free. So it's a great hedge bet as well. So. That's part well, of the deal. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about your success and how you started out is at the furniture store and your furniture gallery store. Let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. I started that. My wife and I started this store in 1981, $5,000, never borrowed a dime. And here we are 40 years later, still at it, still grinding it out seven days a week and occasionally pay, place a small wager every now and then. Small, small. Oh my gosh. Hey, well, whatever works. And you know what? You, you worked your ass off. You had the money to do it and you placed the bets to place. They're investments and you're a businessman. You know how it works. And uh, I'm just glad that they're working out in your, your favor. Yeah, um, we, do all these, we do all these wacky promotions where they get free furniture if the team wins. I, I bet $3.6 million on the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. And uh, to back up our customers' investment, we gave back $3.6 million worth of furniture. So hopefully we'll give back $36 million worth of mattresses. Oh, my God. Win in 2021. I also wanted to talk a little bit about that. You you give back and helping out. Let's talk about uh, during, especially COVID, you giving back. Uh, yes, I saw a bunch of pictures of you passing out masks, building homes, helping out police officers, donating boxes to uh, people of Houston. Um, just, I think it's a nice gesture, and I, I appreciate that people in your uh, position are are there to help people that really can't be helped out by some people sometimes. So it, it means a lot to me and it obviously means a lot to the people to uh, that you do that. So thank you. Thank even you, though it's, you not know, from- it's, it's not just a gesture. It's who I am and who I uh, teach my children to be and grandchildren. And my wife is the same way. Uh, at the end of the day, the good Lord is not going to ask us how much money did we make. Instead, uh, the creator will ask us how much of a difference did you make? So we're trying to make a positive difference in the community every day. That's great, man. And I really like that you bring, yeah, that's awesome. You're bringing God into it and everything that just a, a good, you're a good guy, man. I appreciate that. It means a lot. Um, what else do I want to talk about? I want to talk about some of your best bets. What are some of your better bets that you've ever had? You just talked about the 3.6 million with uh, the Tampa Bay. Give me some of your best bets. Uh, you know, when the Astros won in 2017, that was a huge bet. Uh, I had a lot of, uh, uh, good ones, uh, the Super Bowl bet with Brady, the Astros winning in 2017. Those are the biggest payouts. And then uh, a lot of small ones along the way. And I had a lot of disappointments as well. So, you know, it's uh, gambling's up and down. And, but these promotions always work out well. I I bet $2.4 million on the favorite in the Kentucky Derby this year as part of a furniture promotion. And he got uh, – in traffic at the start and finished fourth and he turned around and won the Belmont Stakes. So, you know, you never know. You win some, you lose some, and sometimes you get rained out, but hopefully we make customers happy and helps build the brand and build the business when we move forward to the next promotion. 
That's awesome. Well, I'm glad that you took the time out to come on the show. I'm glad that you took the time to talk about your bets. And do you have any other future bets that you might be placing that you want to tell the the listeners so they might get a head start to it before the odds go up? I'm thinking about betting at Wimbledon, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I was going to bet uh, a whole lot of money on Djokovic the other day when he played Nadal, and then I talked to all these tennis experts I know, and they talked me out of it. So I, I, I like uh, I, I like tennis. I like to, like to make a little wager on tennis, so maybe something during Wimbledon. Well, here, I'll give you a nice free one that we uh, we gave out earlier. I don't know if you know the Philly Godfather, but the Philly Godfather gave out a uh, Super Bowl bet Plus five thousand right now. Just saying, plus five thousand for the Washington Football Team to win the Super Bowl. This is what I was talking about with that futures bet, where if you place the futures now plus five thousand, it might go down if they make the playoffs. So you can still cash out it. Let's say you put down a hundred, not a million. You put down a hundred, you could cash out for five hundred. But Washington Football Team is probably most likely. I've heard through the grapevines, and uh, I can't really say my sources because I don't want to get in trouble. But Aaron Rodgers is leaning towards going to the Washington football team. That's what I hear. These are the sources I have. Um, so there, there you go. Plus 5,000 right now. Um, if you want to lay some peanuts on it right now, there you go. All right. You're tempting me. It's a good idea. We'll there see you what go. happens. I appreciate you again, Mattress Mac. Thanks for ha- coming on my show. I appreciate that. And uh, let's make some money together, man. I'm, I'm excited for you. You got it. I'm let's win. Have a great day, Mikey. Thanks for having me on. You too. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Well, hey, a spunky little guy, isn't he? A little bit. Yeah, no, he's a cool guy. Um, like that energy. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. You got enough energy to be dropping three mil, three and a half mil on a on a team playing baseball. I mean, the guy he bet on the Kentucky Derby, he was saying, and I don't know how he does it, man. I, my my limit is like twenty five bucks, like you know, unit. I'll never go over $25 on a unit. That guy's going <laughs> in over three and a half million. I was thinking about it too. I mean, it's great. It's great promotion for his company. Well, that's what he talks about on the, uh, that's what he was talking about. You know, uh, you bet with him, you ride with him and they win. Guess what? Everybody gets free fucking furniture if you paid over three grand. So now you got everybody and their mother banking on those white, uh, the Astros. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Can Dusty Baker pull it off, though, Chris? I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think when the White Sox are healthy, I think they're going to be a really scary team, Mikey. I think with we were there recently. I think with what they're doing, with with missing a lot of key members on that team, with what they're doing, and still the ability to get those guys healthy and get them back before the season's over and to potentially add at the trade deadline, they've already been in trade discussion talks, you know, already. So I, I really think that that White Sox team getting healthy and what they could do at the trade deadline sets them up in a good position, but I could see the Astros and Sox being the two final teams in the American league. I really believe so. And uh, might be a repeat at 2005. Hopefully the White Sox sweep their ass. Those fucking. I mean, they're not cheaters now, but they're. They were. I, I think yeah. we all can. I think we all still consider them cheaters. You know, it's just. Dude, yeah. When, when I went to Houston, I fucking flicked off the stadium. Yeah, I'm a fucking shit. loser for admitting that, but yeah, I did. I'm fucking. You know what? No, I'm not a loser because you know who inspired me to do that? 2015. 
Mr. Seaweed himself putting two big fucking sauce, summer sausages right towards the Predators stadium. I've never seen you flick anything off. You put some oomph on those fucking finger flicks. Oh, I did. Fuck the Predators. Just kidding, I, National fans. Fuck not a Predators. fan, especially during those Blackhawk uh, playoff games. Shits. Uh, definitely, that was a big rivalry back then, the Blackhawks-Predators, but... Um, uh, this is a this is a well. I was gonna say this is a good episode. I don't really want to talk Blackhawks and Predators right now. Um, let's move on to Scotty well, Pippen news. Yeah, Scotty Pippen's just an idiot, bro. He's fucking saying, "Oh, uh, Phil Jackson's racist." Uh, the shot for Kukoc was uh, was a race racial move, and it's like, dude. I don't know if you know this, but the Zen Master, his nickname is the Zen Master, Phil Jackson, is the biggest hippie ever as an NBA coach. I, I can't. Can you picture any other hippie? Maybe Steve Nash? Phil, Bill Walton? I mean, yeah. And and this isn't to say, but just to play devil's advocate, I guess a hippie could be racist too. Oh, yeah. that Well, for sure. There's no shot that hippies can't be racist. But I'm just saying, this guy... You know, I feel like I, there's no shot, bro. There's no shot that it was race. And why is it coming out 20-something years later? You know what I'm saying? Because he just released a bourbon. Bourbon and a book. Bourbon and a book. Um, you're hot. You're hot. Speaking of hot. Hot boy, bitch. Hot rod. Lightning hot rod. rod. Hot rod, lot, lightning rod, whatever you want to call him. Uncle Rod, that's not what he wanted me to call him. <laughs> hey, come on. Uh, let me call you Uncle Rod. He's like, yeah, you can call me Uncle Rod. This is not on the podcast. And I was like, all right. So, uh, Rod Blagojevich, shout out the former governor. Uh, he is uh, he's a great guy, really nice guy. And uh, yeah, he talks like a politician, but he also is is pretty genuine guy. He's funny, and uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this interview. All right, guys. Yeah, let's get into it. Fuck it. All right, guys. You guys ready? Let's Chris, go. you ready? Let's oh, rock. Oh, baby. Let's roll. All right, guys. Here is now the interview with Rod Blagojevich. All right, guys. We are here at La Scarola with the former governor of Illinois, Rod Blagojevich. Rod, how you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, so we met at the Mongo Palooza. We, uh, I didn't expect to see you there. I saw Ric Flair there. What else did we see there? Dan Hampton played a great band. There was also a great band there, too. The lead singer of uh, the Jailhouse Rockers. That was pretty badass, dude, when you went up there. Um, I did not think that you were going to make that appearance to go up there and uh, do, a little, do a little song. Well, for your listeners out there, what I did was I sang Jailhouse Rock. Yes, sir. All five verses. I know the words. I had eight years to learn it. Yeah, exactly. okay. By the way, for things that aren't crimes, I want your listeners to know I didn't break a single law across a single line. It was all politics. Routine political conversations initiated by then-President-elect Obama. Yep. He didn't do anything wrong, but either did I. But for whatever reason, those people came after me. And uh, they used an unlawful standard at a second trial. They couldn't convict me on their fake corruption charges at the first trial, so they moved the line. And if that standard were applied to any other governor, senator, congressman, president... They find their asses in prison just like me. Yep. Um, but that was yesterday. Today's today. It's a new day, it's and new the day. scriptures teach us what uh, right. they meant for evil, God meant for good. Exactly. Oh, wow, that's a great quote. I love that. Yeah, it's from uh, Genesis chapter 50. One of the best verses in the Bible. One of the best stories in the Bible is Genesis. But 
I want to talk too much on the God Guy stuff. Um, Why not? We can't. We can talk right. anything here on the Mikey Bench show. Yeah, so can you swear? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, you guys are fucking golden. Uh, uh, right. Speaking of golden, let's talk about that really quick. We're talking to a former Golden Glove winner. Ah. Oh, yeah, we didn't okay. talk about that. Yeah. Uh, amateur boxing. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about that? How'd you start out with that? Sure. By the way, if it was me and Pritzker in a match... Who'd win? Well, first of all, he'd be a heavyweight, and I'd be a... A light. I'd be a middleweight. I think yeah. I'd get down at the middleweight weight. Um, he trimmed it down a little. No question about it. I would kick the, the heavyweight's ass. I mean, he wouldn't know you nothing about it. You can still kick the shit out of him. We're not going to get mad. You yeah. Well, I would, and the first thing i do is go to the body. Right. Oh, I, yeah. I don't, I don't, frankly, I think... Uh, I just don't see Prisker boxing. But having said that, I did that. It was the first time I ever got my name in the Chicago Tribune. Okay. Was... Uh, I was a senior in high school, former high school in the city, public school, and I uh, was in the Golden Gloves tournament, which they held at St. Andrew's Gym on the north side. Sure, sure. Um, did it every year, and it was a big, big deal back then. The Chicago Tribune would sponsor it, so they covered it a lot. That explains why fighters like me got our names in the paper. Right, right. And uh, a good friend of mine, I just heard he passed away. You know, one of the things that you're afraid to ask questions when you, you've been gone for a long time, like me. You know, I've gone shopping in place for eight years in prison then I come home I'm afraid to ask about certain people who were older than me sure. because you're afraid that maybe they may have died while you were gone Right. and uh, Emil and I were the same age and I didn't ask the question but I was I was getting my driver's license okay. back Right. so I had to go to the facility in Lombard to get, get my driver's license to Lombard. yeah nice community yeah. and great people there at the Secretary of State's office working yeah. there and I took the test and passed it but one of the when I took the driving test and drove around the neighborhood, the instructor that was with me, the, 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 the uh, official from the Secretary mm-hmm. of State's office, uh, liked La Scarola, Italian-American, God bless him, right? Nice. Neighborhood guy. And he knew my friend Emil, and he just brought him up and said that he just passed away. And it just really made me feel a real strong sense of sadness. I hadn't seen him right. since high school, but uh, he was like my best friend in our, when we were seniors together. He and I boxed together at Amundsen Park in the Galewood neighborhood. And uh, we were both uh, fighting out of the middleweight division. We should have both been welterweights because we, we could have gotten our weight down. Uh-huh. And the guys would have been not as big yeah, when we were fighting. Exactly. With. But, but I, uh, yeah, I, I, I did it. I had, uh, you know, I had two fights in the Golden Gloves. I won the first night and I got, and then the two of us were taken to the nurse, to the infirmary oh, because shit. we were beating the shit out of each other. Right, right. But I won. I almost knocked him out in the second round. I just couldn't follow up with a with a right hand. I just I, tr- I threw a right hand. I remember this vividly, and I just missed him because that would have been the knockout blow because he'd right. been rocked earlier. Wow. Anyway, long and short of it is uh, we were both taken to the infirmary after the first fight, and then you have to fight the very next night. Oh. And then the guy that I fought was a real good counterpuncher. Patrick Porter was his name from Davis Square Park in Bridgeport, Mayor Daly's neighborhood. Nice, Mayor Daly. Yeah, and... Uh, so they, they, the referee stopped the fight, I think, in the third round because this guy was just kicking my ass. Part of my defense, my, my explanation is I had two black eyes in, from the first night, yeah, and I, I won, and I, every time the guy hit me, man, I was getting rocked. Right. Every NBA player blames it on a back-to-back game. You can definitely blame it on a back-to-back fight. I don't think they do allow that anymore. There's no shot. can't do a back-to-back fight. Sometimes you'd fight twice a night. Some of the guys fought twice oh, the same boy, night. Uh, but um, so anyway, yes, I did Golden Gloves, and, and then I fought in the Park District tournament a couple of months later, which was held at Clarendon Park, and I had a few show fights, okay. which was where you go to the parks and you box for, in front of the neighborhood crowd, 
And it's the yeah. first time I ever met Mayor Daly. Mayor Richard M. Daly, mm-hmm. the son. <clears throat> My father was Richard J. Daly. You guys are too young for this, but he was he was the mayor, like the king of the city, and really a revered figure. Old school, the last of the big city ward bosses. Not ward bosses. He was the last of the city big city bosses, political bosses. He controlled the Democratic Party of Chicago, Cook County, and uh, you know was a strong mayor. And then his son was the prince of the city, right? And he became a state senator or a state representative from their neighborhood in Bridgeport, over by Davis Square Park. Mm-hmm. It goes full circle. It's insane. Sorry, yeah. So before the Golden Gloves, if your coach, your trainer is responsible, you want to get a few fights in front of a crowd sure. before you go before the big fight, which is like 1,500 people at St. Andrew's Gym, and it's covered by the Tribune, and sometimes the local news will cover it. Do they still cover it? I don't, still cover I, it? I don't know. I've been gone for so long. Yeah, you know? I'm not to do the research on that. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. So anyway, at the, at the show fight that we had at Davis Square Park, uh, I think it was the first one I did. And whether you won or lost that night, you get a trophy. The winner gets a bigger one, and the loser gets a smaller one. I got a smaller one that night. But handing out the trophies was the local state representative or the local state senator. I think he was a senator, and it was Richard M. Daly. It was the son of the legendary Mayor Daly. The prince. And you know, I came from you know kind of tough working class neighborhood. We lived in a five room apartment. We didn't know anybody in politics. My father and mother were working people, and seeing him was like, holy cow, that's the mayor's son. Right. Yeah. And um, and so he handed me the smaller trophy. And the guy that beat me got the bigger trophy. And then years go by, and well, he becomes he's the mayor of Chicago, and I'm the governor of Illinois. And, How about it? Yeah. And is he treating you like uh, a kid <laughs> still when you're the governor and he's the mayor? Well, because the year, the also the years went by, and I became a prosecutor for right. in Cook County, right. yep. and Daly was the Cook County State's Attorney mm-hmm. elected. Like we have Kim Fox now, Richard M. Daly before he was the mayor was the Cook County State's Attorney. So there were about 790 assistant state's attorneys that worked under him, and I was one of those. And I was probably like 785 on the pecking order of seniority when he was my boss. I never met him when I worked for him for two years when I was. Prosecuting cases in the branch court. You just have to knock people out to meet him. You can't even meet him when you're working for the guy. You got to knock him out to meet somebody. So then, when I became governor, he still felt like I, I worked for him. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Really? So he did act that way. Yes. So yeah. like when you made a call saying that hey, this needs to be done ASAP, he's like, all right, kid, just uh, we'll, we'll get to it. Well, that's what I. How many times did you have to set him straight? Just... Well, it, it's 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 not that simple. The city of Chicago is governed by what's called home rule. And the legislature carved out a long, long, long time ago, way before I became governor, probably when his, Mayor Daley's father was the mayor, maybe even before that. So they give the big city like Chicago a lot of power, and the state is limited in certain things that they can dictate to a city government that has home rule. So in, in other words, it almost carves out, like makes the city of Chicago a bit of an island within the state. Right. So there's the mayor has a great deal of authority in Chicago he can exercise or she can exercise without regard for what the governor might or might not think. I'll say for the most part, when I was the governor and Mayor Daly, Richard M. Daly was the mayor, we had a very good working, a pretty darn good working relationship. Okay. I wouldn't say very good, but pretty good. You're never going to always agree on everything. Um, but for the most part, it was, I think, a reasonably good working relationship. Okay. And I have a great deal of respect for him. I think he was a mayor that really loved the city. 
I mean, he feels he, the Daly family. I think they feel like, well, I think they feel like they are royalty here, right. and that's not altogether bad because that means they love the place that they grew up in, and that their father was the mayor in, mm -hmm. and they work real hard to try to make it a better place. And I would say that that was Mayor Daly, the one I knew, the right. younger one. Right. Yeah. Now I gotta ask you. We're talking about how good he is. Now, who's one of the worst people it was to work with? Who's one of the hardest people it was to work with? Well, I was always fighting with Mike Madigan. Yeah. Mike Madigan. And uh, he's speaker of the house. He's got that system in Springfield is really corrupt. I mean, I call it the Madigan em Madigan Empire, and it seems to be catching up with him. And I took it on, and I wouldn't raise taxes on people, and I kept pushing for stuff that could help people. I felt like, you know. We had 53 to $60 billion to work with. Yeah. No need to go back to the people and ask for more of their money when you can just move the money around. Right. Maybe you're going to piss some people off because you're taking money that they've been enjoying for a long time. Sure. But, you know, it seemed to me giving a small child access to affordable health care was a more important priority than, let's say, funding, um, you know, uh, some sort of pork barrel project that the lawmakers liked. And so for the six years that I was governor, it was a constant fight. And uh, it was pretty much that system that I was fighting against. Yeah. And uh, Madigan was the emperor of that system, and his daughter That's was the attorney daughter. general. And she just she was part of that corrupt operation. That she didn't use her power as the attorney general, the chief law enforcement officer of the state, to protect the rights of the citizens or the consumers. She was there basically guarding the flank of her father and weaponizing her power to go after her father's political rivals like me. And uh, then the Senate president, after I, right as I was leaving, uh, became John Cullerton. And Cullerton, his son is, uh, or I think Cullerton's the godfather of Madigan's son. So it's all in the family with these people. And they get rich. And they get rich. And they, they get rich by establishing rules there. I'm pretty sure you're telling us this is, this is an episode of Sopranos. They're like the I'm modern day. Sure this is an episode of Sopranos. Yeah. I've seen this or the modern-day Borgias. Yeah, there you right? go, one of those. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty corrupt, too, but it's okay. I, uh, I don't mind hitting a couple pockets once or twice. A couple. <laughs> Have you talked with uh, Richard Daly uh, recently at all? Was that a conversation? Was that someone you uh, that reached out to you or that you reached out to at all? I, I, it didn't happen like that, but I did see him last okay. summer. Okay. Um, over uh, in the Rush Street area. He lives over there now. And I was having um, lunch. It was right after, you know, we'd been, I came home and then COVID hit, mm -hmm. and then everything got right. shut down in March. Well, how did it help? I don't want to say this, but like it probably was easy, an easier transition for you than the average guy. You know what I'm saying? You were, you had eight years of quarantine, and then you went into an easier quarantine. You know what I'm saying? No question about it. Right. I was an expert at it. <laughs> yeah, and when you've been sheltering in place for eight years in prison where you don't want to be, mm -hmm. And then you come home, and all you got to do now is shelter in place at home where you want to be. That's right. luxury. Right. With the people you love most in the world, my two daughters and my wife. Sure. And our two little dogs. I mean, I love my family more than my dog. We love the dogs. I told you, but, you, you know. had little dogs. We were making a bet. This rock had big dogs with little dogs. We always make this bet with uh, our guests. Do they have big dogs with little dogs? I say he definitely has little dogs, for sure. What kind of dogs do you have? Well, our daughters, uh, they, they, they pick the dogs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there's a story behind Way the Way to say that one enough. No, but I'll, I'll explain that. Let me finish that first point, then I'll tell you about the dogs okay, real quick. But no, so to answer your question, sheltering in place in prison sucked. Mm -hmm. Sheltering in place at home compared to that was a blessing right. and a joy. Oh, okay. And so unlike everybody else, 
that requirement to shelter in place because of COVID was nothing to me. It was easy. It was, it was, it was all good. For everybody else, and I'm sorry you had to go through it, it was not so good. But as it was loosening up in the summertime, as you remember, things began opening up and had to wear masks and sure. social distancing and all the rest, I had a chance to uh, connect with an old friend who's a great guy, the owner of the White Sox, Jerry Reinsdorf, nice. and owner of the Bulls, great guy. And he and I were sitting outside in uh, the Rush Street area at, at uh, Gibson's. Yeah. Nice. And this man walks up to Reinsdorf. The guy's wearing, he's wearing shorts, He's wearing like hiking boots and like these sort of gray ass sort of athletic so- socks. Sure. He's got like a polo shirt on and he's got a neckerchief over the polo shirt and he's disheveled and unshaven. Okay? And he looks vaguely familiar to me, but I can't place him. Mm-hmm. Are you following my story here? Mm-hmm. It nods to me. I nod to him. You know, I've met thousands of people over the years, right? Right, exactly. I think I've seen this guy somewhere before, so, but I can't remember his name. Okay, I'm thinking that. But he's nice, I'm nice. He starts talking to Reinsdorf, and he has this long conversation with Reinsdorf, very friendly. Reinsdorf clearly knows him. Gets done, walks past me, and he says, How you doing? And I said, I'm blessed. And then he left. I didn't think anything of him, thought, nice man. Okay? Reinsdorf says to me, Well, he's put some weight on. I said, Who? And he said, Daily. I said, Daily. He said, yeah, daily. I said, oh, yeah, is he here? (laughs) And he said, yeah, that was him. He was just here. I said, who was just, that man was, yeah, that's daily. I said, Richard M. Daly? (laughs) Yeah, that was daily. That was Mayor Daly? (laughs) I didn't recognize him. I didn't recognize him. Isn't that strange? And uh, after we got done with lunch and we were leaving, Mm -hmm. the mayor was sitting with a group of his friends. Okay. And from that distance, from that angle, he looked a lot more familiar to me. He was the mayor daily that I remembered. Changed, because we all changed after eight years, right? But, uh, yeah, that was him. And it was friendly, very nice. I mean, it wasn't a lot to it, because I didn't know it was him. Exactly, right? Oh, yeah. Over the eight years, a lot has changed. um, Can I talk about the dogs, and then we'll go to the prison part? Yeah. Don't forget the, the, the dogs, yeah, Skittles yeah, and Twix. I want to hear about these dogs. Yeah, so Skittles and Twix. Skittles, so here's the deal. So I'm the governor. I'm the governor of Illinois, and, uh, you know, I got a lot of power. I got police with me all the time. You got security around the house. Got access to a 50,000-square-foot governor's mansion in Springfield. Six guards out front right now. And uh, you get a helicopter. You get a plane. You never have to wait in line. And, uh, you know, there's benefits to that job. The best part of it is, and I'm in all seriousness, you've got power where you can actually get things done for people that you believe are right, Okay. And there's negatives, of course. You, you know, you're under, people are out to destroy you right. and ruin you. You're a public person. You lose a lot of your privacy. Your children lose a lot of it. There's a lot. There's negatives as well. It's a rough life, and I would say to your listeners, if they want to, if they're thinking about a political career, if that's their dream, by all means, chase their dream. But if they're sort of, eh, maybe I'd like to get into politics, maybe or I, I, I won't. My advice to them is stay the fuck out of politics because it's nasty-ass business and they try to throw you in prison these days. And what they're doing to President Trump is outrageous. It's disgusting. And it shouldn't be a Democrat or Republican issue. 
You know, you got a politician taking cash in a brown paper bag, throw his ass in prison. You got somebody like Madigan who may have enriched himself over the years, become a multimillionaire mm-hmm. because he controls the process and passes laws that benefits his law practice. Right. And Cullerton, the state senate president, is also a lobbyist. Imagine that. Right. Okay? A lobbyist. And he goes and lobbies himself for the benefit of his paying clients. How do you get away with that? That's corruption. That's the kind of shit I was fighting against, okay? So that's corruption. That's but what happens when you fight them. They're going to find a way to ruin you. And that's what I, I don't want to get too into it. But, yeah, Trump, they... That's what they're doing to Trump. The guy's name. You know, we were just talking about it with one buddy, but they, they tarnish the guy's name. And they did it to you, they did it to him, they'll do it to the next guy, and so on, as long as they keep their power up. And, and so the New York Attorney General Democrat is out there investigating Trump's business organization. Mm-hmm. They have no reason to think there's anything wrong. They're searching for something to find something wrong. Right. In other words, it's an investigation in search of a crime rather than we've got reason to think a crime was committed, so we'll go sure. we'll investigate. You see sure. the distinction? Yeah, I'm absolutely. a victim of that. Exactly. Searching an investigation in search of a crime, and when you can't find it, in my case, you invent it. You create something. So then when that happens, and they come and arrest a sitting governor like they did at 6 o'clock in the morning, right. and they've got SWAT teams around my house, I'm the governor of the fifth largest. Where am I going? I'm going to run away, right? Right. right. Well, it's, it's traumatic, and it has a tremendous impact on your little girls. And exactly. my little Annie Banani, our younger daughter, at that time, she was she was not quite five, and our older daughter was a was twelve, eleven, twelve, and so through the years when I was governor, my older daughter in particular little girl, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, wants a dog. And then her little sister was growing up and she wanted a dog. Right. And we kept putting them off. And the governor right now is busy not thinking too much about it. Then calamity came into our lives. And our daughters were emotionally devastated with TV trucks around the house and right. all of the hoopla surrounding it, you know. No, and so my, my wife and I thought that it would be comforting to go get a dog for our daughters. Sure. And so within days after my arrest, when I was released on bond, on my iPod, we were able to drive mm-hmm. out, yeah. and we bought this little multi-poo dog, Aww. tiny little dog, and uh, her, uh, her name, and we named the, the kids like Skittles, the candy, mm-hmm. so they named her Skittles. So then the years went by as I'm struggling to win vindication, and that rigged second trial, the convictions, and then I go to sentencing. I didn't take a penny. There's no victims. It was all conversation and talk, right? Mm-hmm. I got a clean record. I never committed. I've yeah. got no criminal record. I've got a good driving record, partly because I was never driving. Right. They always drove me, right? <laughs> but I'm clean everywhere. You follow me? We overpaid our federal taxes every year by $6,000. That was testimony in the trial. Yep. I gave every child access to affordable health care. I gave every, pu- free, uh, every senior citizen free public transportation, every disabled person free public transportation, three and four-year-olds get to go to preschool, uninsured women get free cancer screenings, mammograms and pap smears, and God forbid you find cancer, we provide treatment to save their lives, open road tolling, in other words, a whole bunch of good stuff I did, a lot of good stuff for people that helped a lot of people, right? I got to think, I'm a candidate for probation, right? This fucking judge, I just, yeah, 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 yeah. This judge sends me to prison for 14 yeah, years. Him. Him. 14 years. Okay? And that, of course, is shocking to the children. And so, therefore, we felt like it was time to do something to soften the blow. So we went to Paws, which is a tremendous place. In Clybourne Avenue. Yep. 
right there. They deal with abandoned dogs. We got ourselves a little puppy. She was two months old, and she was abandoned in the Roseland neighborhood. And she's a little something, a mixture of maybe a little multi-poo, maybe something. She's a little bit bigger than Skittles, but about the same size, small like that. Has a different look. And uh, we named her Twix. The kids like another candy. Yeah. And so I'm here today to tell you that had, you know, if my home had three dogs, Skittles, Twix, and Snickers, that would have meant Trump never did commute my sentence. Because sure. the dogs were, <laughs> yeah. my, my wife Patty calls Skittles, he's, your daddy's been arrested, dog. She calls Twix, your daddy's been sentenced to 14 years in prison, dog. <laughs> and if there was a Snickers, it would have been, your daddy didn't get the clemency we were hoping he'd get. Yeah, dog. But fortunately, there is no Snickers. I got the clemency, and I'm here with you guys. Free at last. Yeah, hell yeah. And that is fucking golden. That is fucking two dogs. Golden. Yeah, two dogs only. Three two dogs. dogs. And they're li- they're little and they're, and they're great and they're both girls and I'm the you know I, my wife my two daughters Twix and Skittles no. and I'm the only guy in the house and they're all vegans including oh, the dogs. Oh my gosh! I'm vegans. the only one who eats meat in the house. Vegans? Are, do you vegans. Vegan? I mean, I've tried some. I'm vegan not a vegan products. guy. I've never been. I don't really know vegans. I don't know if the guys over here recording this are vegan guys. Sorry to hear. Bill Clinton's a vegan. Well, makes sense, but um. What's, what's your diet like then? With yeah, everyone sure. in the house being we'll vegan, with you too. doing, I know you run, I think, what, you say five, five to eight miles usually. What's your diet like now that everyone else in the house is vegan? Well, I had dinner here the other night. Oh, Oscarola. It's oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, had, uh, I had some pasta and had a fish dish that they recommended. Okay. And uh, it's great food here, by the way. So oh, Oscarola. It's my favorite restaurant. Um, you know, I. So one of the great philosophers was the Greek philosopher Aristotle, and his governing philosophy was moderation is the golden mean, all things in moderation. I think being sensible in what you do, not overdoing too much of anything, good or bad, is probably the best way to go. But I, with all due respect to my wife and my daughters and their vegan diets, I'm, uh, I'm marching to the beat of my own drum, and I'm still eating meat from time to time, and, you know, had had... I had a steak, you know, a few yeah. months ago. It was the first steak I've had in about nine oh, years, oh, yeah. ten years, and it was great. Where did you get that steak at? Where did you get the steak at? I had the steak at um, Tavern on Rush. Oh, no. oh, that place is delicious. It's a great place, oh, yeah. yeah. I want to talk about steaks real quick. Yeah. Um, buddy of mine, I don't know if you've been to Chicago Cut, David is actually one of your neighbors. He wanted to say, where oh. have you been? Come to the restaurant. He's, yeah. He's, we were just talking to him in the afternoon, and he's like, dude, where's Rod Ben? I have not seen him. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give him a shout out. I'll tell him to come to Chicago Cut whenever you get a chance. Where is that? Chicago Cut is right downtown. It's the number one steakhouse in Chicago. Count me in, yeah. All right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to. You tell David, we haven't gone out a lot, yeah. partly because of the COVID. Right, right? Sure. right, And you couldn't go, right? Things are opened up now. And um, so I've been out a little bit more than, than usual, and that's been great. And by the way, here again, I mean, the food in prison, and what I have access to eat now, I mean, it's night and day. Okay, well, right? this is where I wanted to ask. Yeah, you want to ask me about prison? Go ahead. No, not prison. Okay. First, I want to ask you about. I want to ask you about is vegan food worse than prison food? Which one's worse? Be realistic, don't be honest. I want to hear this one. Oh, prison food by far. Prison food's better or worse? No, it's worse. Oh, really? It's horrific. Oh, man, I want to hear their answer. Your tax, the taxpayers out there are going to be happy to hear that the federal government and the Bureau of Prisons—they're not wasting your money on good food for the for the inmates. <laughs> yeah, hell no. 
No. So what's probably, I want to hear the best meal and then the worst meal that you have in prison. In prison? Yeah. Well, what is, prison teaches you a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of things that I believed for as long as I, I gave any thought to the subject of economic systems, okay? Capitalism versus socialism, a mixed economy where, you know, the private sector does a lot of the growth in the economy, but the government has a role to play to sort of regulate and direct, you know, these sorts of discussions. Communism, socialism, capitalism. I've always believed, you know, early on, human nature is the way it is, and that any system is going to have different people that are going to benefit more in a system, and that the best form of an, an economy is one that's predicated on freedom, which to me is based on a free market economy, capitalism, and that socialism is flawed for many reasons, and among them is it just contrary to human nature. You can have laws and, and govern and say that these are going to be the socialist rules, and you know it's going to be an equal distribution of wealth across the board, but people won't allow that to happen. They're going to go out and do their own thing. You see it with guys dealing drugs. That's a form of you know, free market, selling a product that's not legal, they're wrong to do that. But the law isn't constraining them from staying within the bounds and not going out to pursue what they think can make them more money. And in prison, the economy there, they have an economy, it's a black market economy, there's a lot of underground stuff that goes on. And the greatest example of how socialism doesn't work is that everybody's supposed to eat the same amount, you're supposed to go and eat the same food, and no one gets more than anybody else, and that's a socialist idea, right? And yet that's a complete, uh, it's folly, yeah. Yeah. Because the reality is that the guys in the kitchen go out there and they they make, they they steal stuff, ship it into the higher security prison or into the camp, and then there's this bunch of guys that cook stuff and they sell it for stamps, which is the modus of trade, or in exchange for commissary, where you can go to the commissary and go buy me different things, and I'm cooking with this contraband food, and I'm making tacos or burritos and all kinds of pizzas and different kinds of stuff that these guys make, and they're very creative, and some guys are really talented in the kind of food that they make. It's like that scene in Goodfellas. That's exactly that scene. Where they're cooking the pasta, and he's in the the, the nice day goatee, and it's like, you know, they're having a good time. Prison must have been a nice one in that era for like that, but I just, yeah. Well, it's exactly that scene. Now, I didn't do too much of that. First of all, I didn't engage in that contraband black market. So no economy. pasta. No pasta. And, and I very rarely would like buy anything. I did once in a while. Um, they even make cheesecakes out of like, uh, they make cheesecakes out of the stuff that they get, they get out of the kitchen plus the stuff you can get out of the commissary that you can buy, like that non dairy creamer. Okay, yeah. I gotta ask. They use that to make cheesecakes. Which chef got arrested? What chef got arrested to make this stuff? How do they know how to make cheesecake in prison? Look, at here's what I learned about the guys in prison, most of them, particularly the drug dealers. They're really resourceful. Oh, yeah. They have a lot of you know, natural ability. They're enterprising, and they learn to do a lot of, with so with little. Mm-hmm. And they're creative in the things that they do. Right. And so with the, you know, they can take a an MP3 player, and they can break it down, and they can fix a radio with parts from an MP3 player. Yeah, because you again you're allowed to have certain things, mm-hmm. but not a lot of stuff. Right. 
and it's remarkable to see how creative they can be. What they do with clothes, for example, because you're limited in the stuff that they give you, you know, T-shirts and khakis sure. and stuff like that. How they, what they do with the, the bad shoes you buy at the commissary for running, how they, they make adjustments on, the, on things like that. But certainly the food and how creative they are. And because there's, they're yeah. there for such a long period of time, put yourself in, the, in yeah. their shoes, right? If you're in a place for a long, long time and there's really not a lot that you can do and you're trying to make your immediate life a little right. bit less wretched, I've seen some of the. You meals. spend a lot of time trying to figure out ways to make the food better, right? Yeah, you yeah, try what they do. You try that ramen noodle. It's like ramen noodle, hot Cheetos. One of my buddies from yeah. the time in uh, DuPage, he was telling me about they crumple up a little bit of ramen noodles, take a little bit of the hot Cheetos, a little cheese sauce, crumple it up. I don't know. I no, you. Have you ever done that? Well, again, I didn't do much of that at all. Oh, I didn't. Okay. I don't cook, and I don't have an aptitude for it. So I just ate what was what was there, and, and I wouldn't allow myself to have ice cream as much as I love it. They allow you to get that once a week. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't do it because it ain't going to make me happy. I was miserable there, but I was strong. You know, it wasn't like I was wasting my time. I was working on constructive things, but I wasn't spending my time trying to figure out ways to eat better. Right. Nothing's going to make me less miserable, and right. therefore, screw the food. It was more about getting my workouts in, reading the books I was reading, yeah. doing the writing that I was writing, and trying to do what I could to try to work my way back home as best I could. But your friend is right. They, they, they would do things like that with ramen noodles and Doritos. and Again, very creative. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got to find a way, make a way. And I, I feel like they're better engineers than most engineers, you know, sometimes. Jeez. Well, they have a lot of talent, but there's, they're misguided. And yeah. so they've, they've right. gone in the wrong direction. And the, the system can do a lot better when it comes to correction. Well, let's talk about that. I know that you're a big guy into getting uh, uh, just prison reform and criminal justice reform. Uh, give your opinions and thoughts on that and how you want to make a change. The, the issue of crime and punishment and public safety is, is a polarized issue today in American politics, and, and this is bad, because you can be for pr- criminal justice reform and be for the police. You can recognize there's bad cops and still recognize the importance of the police. Yes. Okay? You can recognize that first-time nonviolent offenders are over-sentenced, ridiculously over-sentenced, especially the black ones. Okay, and that blacks are getting screwed in that system. At the same time, recognize that without the police and without doing the jobs necessary to keep the public safe, you're going to have what we have in Chicago today: unbelievable violence, right? Gun violence caused by gangbangers who are running loose in certain neighborhoods, killing each other, and in 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 between. Innocent bystanders, young children are being killed in large numbers. This is a crisis. For every bad cop, and I know this from both sides, I've been on both sides of this, governor, inmate, for every bad cop, there's a thousand good ones. For every good poli- for every honest or sincere politician, there's probably 100 fake ones. Okay? And these fake politicians, these politicians who are, who are exploiting difficult, complicated issues surrounding crime and punishment are causing our communities to be less safe. And the ones that are getting hurt the most, of course, are black people. And here in Chicago, better than 75% of the record number of people that are murdered are black people. And I hate to say it about my fellow Democrats, but my fellow Democrats, this modern-day Democratic Party is, uh, is, is contributing to it. When they want to defund the police, 
ridiculous idea. They ought to increase funding for police. If I were the mayor of Chicago, I'd hire 10,000 more police officers, most of them black, with connections to the community. Training is very important, okay? Working closely with ministers and community leaders and others in those areas. And I would also be prepared to bring other resources to bear, including asking the governor to send the National Guard into some of those areas. This would never be tolerated if it was happening in white neighborhoods. Look what happened this weekend, more mass shootings. Okay, you're sitting outside trying to enjoy an evening with your family on the south side of Chicago and some gangbangers come by and they start shooting up the neighborhood. And this talk about, oh, we got too many guns. And when, as a Democratic congressman, I used to get bad ratings from the NRA, so it's not like I wasn't for <laughs> yeah. gun control, reasonable gun control. Okay, but that's bullshit that they're blaming the guns. It's the gangbangers who are using the guns. It's not like they're getting them registered. Those guns, those gangbangers should be disarmed. Those guns should be taken from them. And the only ones who can do it are the police officers. And then when you got politicians who don't protect the, the have the backs of the police officers when something bad happens, but sell them out like they do here, like Lori Lightfoot does in Chicago, like Rahm Emanuel did in Chicago, the morale of the police suffers. And so a lot of them don't want to become police officers. A lot of them don't want to stay police officers. And a lot of them are afraid to do their jobs. And so what you have is this terrible situation with crime. So I, I look, I think that, you know, you get a drug dealer, a first-time offender, putting him in jail for 20 years is, is outrageous, okay? Because you're, you're hurting their families as well as that person. You're giving that person no chance at a second chance or a chance to rehabilitate himself or herself. But I also think that if you're a violent criminal, you ought to be locked up, right. okay? And you ought to, be, ought to be locked up for a long time to protect the public. And let me say one more thing. you got to make that criminal justice system a lot more honest. We have to have more confidence in the court system because we know. I know from my own experience how corrupt that can be, right. how yeah, you can be convicted of things that aren't crimes. But we also know that there are a whole bunch of guys on death row who didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And the DNA evidence exonerated them later on. Mm -hmm. And so that's another problem that has to be resolved and fixed. And it's how do you do a better job making the criminal justice system more honest? This is where I think it would be perfect for you to get into because you have street cred, right? Yeah, thank you. You're darn right. Exactly. You have street cred. You've been, you've been there. You've Absolutely. done it before. You were in there for eight years. You know what I'm saying? You're darn right. Hell yeah. Uh, I think that... Well, that kind of leads me to something I want to talk about is what's what's your future look like? Is, uh, do you want to stay out of the politics uh, altogether? Do you want to be something that maybe aligning with politics? What, what's your future looking like? I think my future is very bright. I think uh, that's, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. that's awesome. I do. I, I think, think my so best too. days are ahead of me. Oh, yeah. I, I really awesome. do. And I think that the evil that was done to me is going to turn, it, it will be the reason that things are going to turn out really positive and good in, 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 in the days ahead. Right. I have an obligation. I've been gone for so long. I have a lot of catching up to do. I was making $5.25 a month in prison for eight years, okay? I went to college for that. Nope. I mean, think about my resume, right? I'm a, right. a college degree, history major, I have a law degree. Mm -hmm. I, played the, I, you know, I had a law license. I passed the bar exam yeah. the second time around. I was a prosecutor, I was a state lawmaker, a United States congressman, the governor of the fifth largest state in America. That's right. a pretty good resume, right? right? Now I'm sleeping floors for $5.25 a month in yeah, prison. So I got some catching up to do. I've got daughters. One, my younger one is going to go to college. Sure. Tuition. Mm -hmm. So I got to earn a living. I literally made more money shining shoes when I was nine years old than I was making 
in prison when I was 60 years old. Yeah, Think about that. Yeah. Right? Not even close. I made more money shining shoes. Don't get your shoe, uh, shoe uh, what's it? Don't forget your shine box kid. Yeah. That's a great movie. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> philosophical to answer your question, what's my future? I, I feel like you know I have to do things to earn a better, to earn a good living, to catch up and do good for my family. But no, I feel like among the things that helped me work my way through all those years and do it in a way where I feel like I'm better than ever, I truly do. It's crazy. Okay. Good. That's love for my daughters and my wife that gave me the strength I needed to endure, to persevere, to overcome, and my faith in God. One of the things you get to do in prison, because you have so much time on your hands, is you can catch up on your reading. And I was able to read all kinds of books there, a lot of biographies and histories, literature, and the Bible. And I read the Bible in ways I never read it before. Always believed in my Christian upbringing, Serbian Orthodox Church, Greek Orthodox, Serbian Orthodox, Russian Orthodox. Eastern Catholic Church, basically, right? Always believed in that. But I never really read the Bible, no pun intended, religiously, like I did in prison. And I did it because I was so alone and so lonely and so brokenhearted, especially in the early years, yearning for home, missing my children and my wife, that I, I sought companionship and I found it in the Bible and it drew me closer to God. And then the lessons and the different stories of the Bible, when you read them slowly and carefully, every morning, every day, right. for eight years, you really get to know it, and you get a better feeling for not only the Word of God, but how the world works. And then you take that and couple it with the things you read in the history books, and then you take it with your own life experience, because ex experience is still the very best teacher that there is. Mm -hmm. And I've had in a not altogether uneventful life. You know, Congress... I've been in the White House. I've had meetings with presidents. I was the governor of Illinois, right? Have you ever seen I took Elvis's wife to a Bears game. Oh, okay. You, you follow yeah. me? I had, I've had experience. Yeah. So you take all those things together, and uh, I feel like because of that unique experience, that I have something to offer based on that experience, in the area of crime and punishment, criminal justice, and if I could just just wrap up that thought what the prophet teaches us what is it that the Lord requires of us but to do justice, love kindness and walk humbly with your God so I think I can do something meaningful and I think I will well your story funny that you mentioned the Bible it reminds me a lot of the, uh, the book of Job you know, yeah. the book of Job everything everything's on top and, uh, but he wouldn't he condemn God yep, he would not talk that no matter how much they wanted him they took everything they stripped it away from him and you know what he still had his face still believed and he's Second, second guy to the uh, the emperor to uh, the emperor. Well, that was Joseph, the that pharaoh. Joseph, right, yes. But yes. Job, Job was the same thing. His so, kids were taken from him, and he had everything. A new family was given to him. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's a great story. But I have this question, you know, when you're Job and your kids have been taken from you and they've been killed and you're still suffering because there's a bet going on. Yeah. You're testing them, and God's part of it. I understand. Some people might say, well, "Why would God play a game like that?" Right. We are not in a position to. Right. Understand the mysteries of God. He's too far above us. Okay? But the one part of that story of Job, because it has a happy ending, supposedly, he gets 14 new kids, but the kids that he had were killed. If I'm Job, I'd say, oh, Lord, thank you. Instead of the new 14 kids you've given me, can I have my old ones back? Yeah, exactly. Because those were the kids I knew and I loved, right? right? Exactly. But that's how the story goes, and... Uh, 
can't negotiate with that guy upstairs. You cannot. But you can ask him. He's a loving guy. I truly yeah. believe that. And he yeah. answers our prayers. I truly believe this too. I'm going to tell you something. I'm here today because of divine intervention. Exactly. The unlikely convergence of events that I would do a show like Celebrity Apprentice, right? I never watched that show when I was governor. I was busy being governor. I didn't watch right. any reality TV. I watched sports. Right. When I could, and that was it, right? Right. And even watched the political shows. Okay? And now suddenly I'm out and I can't earn a living. Uh, you know, I'm viewed as a leper by people in the business I was in, understandably so, because they start talking to you. Those people who are in my life are going to be in their lives. They don't want it. So you're limited on how you can earn a living during those interim periods. And my wife and I, I mean, we're not wealthy. We're not Pritzker. We have a mortgage to pay right. and school for our kids. And so I'm invited to be on Celebrity Apprentice. And it's a wholesome opportunity, unlike some of the other opportunities I turned down. And uh, he was fantastic. And just, you know, people don't realize he's really a kind-hearted man, President Trump. And this was all off camera. He, just he would do real kind things. How does handshake? It's hard, isn't it? I, I can't really remember. It seems like it was fine. Yeah. I feel like he's got the hardest handshake in the United States. Have you shaked it? Oh, I, yeah. Come on, I wish. Well, you know, I did the show and he, he fired me, and, yeah. right? As he was right to do. And then years go by, he freed me, and yeah, I and I well. certainly agree with that decision too. Full circle. So he's the only president in American history to have fired and freed the same guy. Even Lincoln didn't do that. <laughs> but True. my point is, how'd that happen? Right. How was it that I would be in that place, that I would do Celebrity Apprentice, and then I'd be in prison? Right. And the court system would let me down. And Obama, the Democratic president, right. who I endorsed, I'm the first governor to endorse Obama. I helped him get elected early on, in the early stages, because right. if he doesn't win the Iowa caucuses, he's going nowhere. Right. Okay. Right. How come he, pa he passes me by after I've been in prison for six and a half, seven years, that the Republican then is the guy who sends me home because he knew me on Celebrity Apprentice. It had to be, right? right? How'd I end up doing those things? In my mind, it's part of God's plan. I truly believe that. Well, that's why he did Mikey Betts. You never know. You never know why he did this show until maybe 20 years down the road, right? right. Something something Good. very well. magical and divine intervention. Well. I might be the governor one day. Probably not. Um, well, if you do it, just always try to do the best you can to be um, on the side of the people, you know? Exactly. People first. Mikey Betts is the man of the people. Um, since this is the Mikey Betts show, I do want to talk a little bit more about sports. Yes, please. Uh -huh. Now, that's something I know about. Yeah, oh, yeah. Let's, talk about know Sox. Let's talk about the Cubs. Are you a Sox or a Cubs guy? Cubs. Cubs guy. 2005, you got some flack for not wearing that Sox hat at the press conference. Apologize to the Sox fan, or are we just gonna stick with the Cubs? No, I did a whole podcast on that. Oh, you did? Yeah, oh. I, I have a podcast called The Lightning Rod Podcast. Yes, well, okay, I was gonna wear, um, I had a flash, a lightning thing, it was lightning thing, and it was gonna promote, you know, Lightning Rod, oh. Rod Blagojevich, but I had a stain on it, oh. and my fiance would have killed me if I came here to meet the former governor with a stain on my shirt. I would have never let that one out, so oh. I, I did, definitely didn't have to do that. Um, so you're a Cubs guy. Yeah, so I, I, on my Lightning Rod podcast, which is you can get on WLS, Spotify, or iTunes, right. you can download it. Yep. There's several episodes, and there's one episode months ago where I talked about not wearing the White Sox hat in 2005. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a long, long story, you know, behind it and how it all unfolded. And I regret the fact that I didn't, and I'll tell you why. Um, here's why I didn't. I was so out there as a Cub fan, mm -hmm. and I wasn't against the White Sox. Mm -hmm. I mean, frankly, I think I... 
I'm sure I got a higher percentage of votes among White Sox fans than Cubs fans. Right. A lot of Republicans are Cubs fans. Okay. So it was never about politics. It's just how you were raised. I was raised on the near northwest side of Chicago, and as a little boy, they were my team, the Cubs. And so you fall in love with your team, and every time they kept blowing chances to go to the postseason, right? Yeah. 1969, 1984, oh 2003, the Bartman game. I didn't right? realize you didn't, you didn't see the 16. I didn't. I was holy a, shit. You imagine that? Oh my yeah. gosh, dude. Yeah. So they finally go to the World Series, and I'm. I'm in prison. I can't. Right. I don't get to get to see it. Did you see the highlights? Yeah, and I saw the last game and that oh, night, oh, that yeah. tenth inning with Schwarber hit that line drive to start the inning after that homer tied it up. Here we go again with the Billy Goat curse and the yeah, Cubs. Holy that's cow! What he was saying, I yeah. swear. They were so. There we go. When they won, I seen him with the 32 inch vertical. He jumped so high. It was crazy. I've never seen that in my life. Yeah. <laughs> so you were able to watch that last game at least. Yeah, I did, and awesome. Schwarber hit that line drive in the, in the tenth inning at first base, too hot to handle. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That was the key, because okay. otherwise they're demoralized after that home run that tied it up. LeBron right. James is out in, I think, right field or left field rooting the yeah. Indians. Yeah. Holy cow! You know he had a blunt. He had a blunt on that game. He was smoking, smoking a little weed on that game. They caught him on the camera. Is that right? Yeah, they did. That's all right. Yeah. So um, anyway, <laughs> the Cubs hat. So I. Sox hat. The Sox hat. So. So the Sporting News does this article on me mm-hmm. after I was elected. And and they had asked me, well, if the White Sox, you know, you're a big Cub fan, if the White Sox go to the World Series, would you wear a Sox hat? Like Hillary Clinton wore the Yankees hat. Right. You guys remember that? Yeah. And she was always supposedly a Cubs fan. Throw an right? player. Yeah, she's not. You see, I, I don't want to be like that. Because I'm true to my team. And I, I truly love sports and I love my the Cubs. Right. I love them. Sure. And I don't want to be like Hillary where I'm politicizing sports that way. Or like Senator Durbin. He's a fan of the Sox, the Cubs, and the Cardinals. Come on, man. Come on, man. Right? Typical politician. You follow? For real. (laughs) Stop lying to us. Which team do you really root for in your heart of hearts when you're playing each other? There's got to be one dick. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Ready? But that guy is the epitome of a politician. Okay? All right. (laughs) <laughs> Let's talk about the Bears. Well, but, but before you do, let me just finish the Sox game. Oh, yeah. What yeah. am I doing? Yeah. Scumbag Mike. Go ahead. So, I told the Sporting News, I don't want to be like Hillary. I'm going to, I wouldn't wear their hat. I hope they win it, but I don't want to be a fake politician, suddenly be a Van Van Wagon Benny and wear the hat. And I don't think in 2003 when I do this interview that they're going to the World Series anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Two well, years later. Two years later, there they are. Right? And this Tribune guy named John Cash, Cass found that article and he starts writing articles about me. Is he going to wear the hat? Is he going to wear the hat? And all this stuff was happening and I was, the media kept pressing it. And I was trying to, I was staying true to my principles and I wouldn't. And a lot of people understandably thought I was dissing the White Sox. And I was taking a lot of heat from Sox fans. God bless them. Right. Okay? Right. And uh, anyway, they swept that series against the Astros. And I remember Sometime after that, seeing Daly afterwards, and he's a Sox fan, mm-hmm. exactly. but he wears the Cubs fan hat when the Cubs win. Okay, but he's truly a Sox fan. He's not Durbin. Okay, and he's asking me why didn't you wear the hat? And I try to explain to him why. Blah blah blah. And he just looks at me puzzled, and he says, "But it's just a hat. It's just a hat. It's just a hat." And in retrospect, when you're the governor. I think I was wrong there. I should have worn it in spite of it all and do the best I can to explain. I'll tell you why. Yes, I'm a fan, but I'm the governor, and I was elected by all the people. 
and by wearing their hand, I'm supporting them in their effort to win. I'm not being disrespectful to my team. Right. I think I had it wrong. In any event, I uh, I did it. And here's the footnote to the story. Ready for this? It's my last Cubs game. I haven't been back since. The last game of the season, 2008. Mm-hmm. Cubs and Pirates. I'm invited to throw out the first pitch. Okay? Mm-hmm. They win the division that year. Lou Pinella's manager of the yep. year. Yep. Okay? Unlike Obama, who kind of tosses it out there off the mound. Right? Bounces. Okay? Or Dr. Fauci, who, man, throws it in the stands. You see him? Okay. Or Hillary, <laughs> or some of these politicians, most of them. I'm taking this seriously. Right. So I'm going to pitch it off. I'm going to throw that pitch off the mound. Off the mound, off the rubber. But it's 60 feet up, mm-hmm. right? And you got to get used to that. And the tendency is, because when I, I did it once at the White Sox game, I bounced it in because I was on the mound, but I was throwing down because right. I was up high. you got to throw high, but you got to sort of get in the habit of that. Right. So the Cubs' final Cubs game of that year was a Sunday. So that Friday... I'm the governor, and I've got the state police security detail with me. Right. We commandeered a diamond at Homer Park in the neighborhood where I live. Some kids were playing a game, game of league ball on that diamond. It had a, a mound that was somewhere. Yeah, right? It was uh, a mound. Right. The other diamond didn't have a mound. So I, we had to, I had to use my authority and politely ask those kids, look, I'm the governor. i got to throw out the first pitch. Um, Beat it. Yeah. Well, we didn't say beat it because they got parents to vote. Plus, I'm a fundamentally, I still, I'm not a mean guy. Yeah. Okay, it was real nice to those kids. <laughs> of course, I, you know, I had the police with me. I got to use this because I got to practice this pitch. I can't humiliate myself and bounce it in. Yeah. You guys mind playing that on that diamond over there? Mm-hmm. I'll buy all cokes. Okay. Oh, yeah. They were great kids. They all won. They were happily. Awesome. They did. We bought them all. I bought them all cokes. Anyway, so I practiced for three hours off that mound. Three hours? Three hours, oh, man. And my arm was dead arm. the was next day, and it was dead on Sunday when I had to throw that pitch. I was say, how were you feeling then Sunday? Yeah, it was still a little bit dead. It was really dead on Saturday. So I get announced, and here's here's the, the moral of the story. So much for me standing up for the Cubs and taking heat from the Sox mm-hmm. fans for not wearing their hat. So I take my daughter Amy with me. She's uh, 11 years old. We take a young man named Trey young African-American kid's mother used to work for me. He was 13. She had just passed away from breast cancer. So he was my guest of the game, and his dad was at the game with us. And so Amy and Trey joined me on the field because it's a thrill for a kid, right? Mm-hmm. I, I Absolutely. would have been a thrill if I ever had a chance yeah. as a kid to do that. I never yeah, did. So they come out with me, and they enter the, what do you call that guy that uh, announces the ball? PA? The PA. Yeah, yeah. Announces me, the governor, with his daughter Amy and friend Trey Adams. Mm-hmm. That was his last name. Oh, right. And there's 41,000 standing room only fans that really feel for the last game of the year. The division play, winner. Division winner. 41,000, seemingly every one of them. Yeah. Booing the fuck oh, out of me. Okay? The boos were so thunderous, you can feel the earth shaking. Okay? Or it took the red line to the south side. Right. Someone appreciates you. And uh, I got the ball, and I'm looking around, and look, Trey looks scared. My daughter Amy's kind of used to hearing me get heckled from time to time. Yeah. But Trey is a whole new thing to him, and I'm trying to buck up his spirits, and I tell him, Trey, don't worry, they ain't booing you, they're booing me. Yeah. But I'm going to show you mental toughness, my young friend. You watch me get on this mound, I'm going to throw a perfect strike right down the middle. And so notwithstanding all of that, I get on the mound, 
I used my Kerry Wood motion. I had kind of modeled my pitching style after Kerry yeah. Wood. Yeah. And uh, they send out like the third string catcher somebody to catch me. Bullpen, right? yeah, or something. Yeah, right, the bullpen guy yeah. or something. <laughs> and of course, he's not giving me any signals. This is my one moment. Right. So yeah. I wave him off like he's getting, asking me for a football. Oh, no. I want to throw a fastball. I'm waving him off, right? Yeah. And uh, anyway, then I pitched it right down the middle. Perfect strike. That's awesome. Okay. I, and I, then I heard some cheers, actually. And then I finally worked my way back to the to our seats, you know. And uh, the uh, a guy that was sitting there in our, our aisle said that Zambrano was pitching that day, and his first pitch had just happened when we get, finally got to our seats, mm-hmm. and it was clocked at 94 miles an hour. What did you clock at? They put my my fastball up there. It clocked at 49 miles oh, an hour. Oh gosh! Right. Jeez. Hey, whatever. Half half as much as. Uh, Zambrano? Have as much as Zambrano and probably three times faster than Joe Biden. There you go, yeah. And you threw a strike. Right down the middle. Right down the middle. Yeah, I'm really happy about that. That's awesome. Biden would roll it. You gonna try <laughs> you gonna try and get to a Cubs game or Sox game before, Definitely. before yeah. the season's well, over? By all means, of course I That's awesome. can't wait. Hell yeah. Do you find either team do you think both teams are gonna be in the playoffs or one or how do you think it's gonna play out the rest of the season? Well I'm biased, I'm a Cubs fan, of sure, course, sure. right? Having said that, I feel like the Sox are certainly made for the playoffs for postseason. I truly believe they're going to win their division. They've got great pitching. Yeah. And uh, pitching in baseball is the most important element Absolutely. to win. What do you think about LaRusso? I think he's a great manager. Okay. And a great manager. He's the most winning manager in Major League Baseball history, I think, or he's about to break that record. Yeah, as you say, I think he's close. He's yeah. going to do it, I think, this year. Yeah, he'll do it this year. He's a great manager. That's another factor for the White Sox. So I think they're destined to win their division and to be really competitive in the postseason. They can make it to the World Series. The Cubs right now, I think, are overperforming, actually. I mean, yeah. we've had a little bit of a slide now. The yeah. Brewers are in first place, right? Yeah, but now we play them in a three-game series. Start tonight. Start yeah. tonight. So. But we've got great bullpen, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and just, and I don't know how. We wanted that for four years, and now we're getting them? How does that make sense, dude? That's what pisses me off so much. It's been four fucking years. We were looking for pitching. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, now we pulled the team late. up a little bit. Now we got pitching. It's like, I don't know. That, that shit pisses me off. Well, that's changed a little bit, baseball, and how they play the game. Mm-hmm. Because the emphasis on those middle innings now, where you put the relief pitchers in earlier than before, right. your starters are only looking to do maybe five innings. Right. It wasn't quite like that in 2012, 11, 10. Right. It's different. Yeah. So I'm learning how baseball has changed. Double headers, they only play seven innings. Seven when did that happen? Letters. Because of the COVID uh, situation. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah. As, uh, there, because there were so many delays, so many teams with one player going down, two players going down, that there were so many games that they had to make up, or that they felt they were going to make up, that they just said, let's just do double headers at seven innings instead of nine. Hmm. But like you said, now there's a, a starter... Uh, which is a bullpen guy, and he pitches, what, an inning or two, and then they'll take him out and then maybe put in a starter or another bullpen guy. Just Man. the different tactics of the bullpen is, is very, very, it's, it's unique. It's, it's kind of strange. It's not what you're used to, you know? Right. Uh, I don't like it. But then again, you know, none of us like change like that when we're used to our, the old way. so right? used to, uh, yeah. what are your thoughts on the extra inning rule then? Tell me about it. It's, uh... When you enter, I don't know if it's the 10th inning or 11th inning. I want to say it is the 10th inning. 10th inning. 
each team starts with a runner on second base automatically. Oh, yeah, that's right. My friend Lou Nova was telling me that. And uh, pretty just... Shorten the game. game. Yeah, the idea is to shorten. Five minutes? Like we were talking about last year. All these ideas to shorten the game are really going to give you, like, five minutes, ten minutes. You know, What's the point of speeding up the game? Like, you go to the game to watch and enjoy the game. It's like you go to, we were talking about this. You go to a football game, you go there to enjoy two and a half, three hours of the football game. You go watch golf, you go there to enjoy the whole thing. Right? Sometimes golf is three days. Four days. That's the sport. Don't change it because people have short attention spans. You know, that's, that's my... Well, it's a... It's exactly it. It's a generational thing. Yeah. It's a generational thing. This immediate gratification, everything on exactly. quick and fast. Yeah, right. This is troubling. I, is. I think it's very troubling. It really is. Yeah. yeah. So the answer to your question, I don't like it at all. I'm, uh, I don't... Uh, I hate to say it. When I didn't want lights at Wrigley Field because I was, oh, yeah, you know, right. yeah. traditional in my baseball. Exactly. It, was a, it was a change, a huge Yeah. So how do you feel about the Bears then? Since we're going to talk about yeah. lights and traditional yeah. Bears moving to Arlington Heights. Let's do it? No. No? No. All right, let's talk. Go ahead. I think they need to get out of there. Tell That's me. a spaceship. That thing sucks. I hate Soldier Field, man. That, ah, my God. So to get there, it sucks. To leave there, it sucks. What do you like about Soldier Field? Well, here again, I mean, I, you can see I, don't, I, I prefer things to be as they are. Mm-hmm. I remember you guys are so young. But when I first discovered professional football as a little boy, the Bears used to play at Wrigley Field. Yeah. The great Gale Sayers right. and Dick Butkus. Just some epic games there. Right. Now, you could never watch those games on TV back then. You could only get it on the radio mm-hmm. because they had these blackout rules. So if you your team was playing at home, you never got the home games. Right. You only saw the road games. So I never saw the, a game with the where the Bears played at Wrigley Field. You only saw the 10 o'clock news and just saw the highlights. And, right? Wow. So... I didn't want them leaving Ripley Field, right? right? Yeah, no. I didn't want them going to Soldiers Field after they left Ripley Field. Right. But now they've been there, they renovated it. It isn't so much Soldiers Field as, as it is keeping the Cubs in within the city of Chicago. That's what one my, my hope would be. Oh, I'm sorry, the Bears, forgive me. The Bears. Um, but do I think it's really a possibility that they would go to Arlington Heights? Yes, I, I do, very I much so. I really do. I really think that they're going to go there because this is my connection. So we're affiliated with the Rivers Casino, Rivers Casino and Sportsbook. And Rivers um, just had a partnership signed with the Bears. So the owner of the Bears, or owner of Ben Rivers, is also the owner of Arlington, uh, what's it, Churchill Downs, right? Yeah. They're also the owner of the Arlington Racetrack. You know, just follow the money. I, I'm looking at it in that sense. There's no way that they're not moving, especially after Lori Lightfoot. What she put that? Did you see that statement she put out? I saw it. Yeah. Focus on beating the Packers. This and yeah. that. Yeah. Like, hey, why don't you? I don't know. Whoa. No, that's look. She scares me. She's <laughs> she apt to chase them out of Chicago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, if you want to, if she's like, well, that's just a negotiation tactic. Well, if it is, you're not helping at all by throwing it out there, throwing it right. out there into the media. Like, the people aren't on your side, really. You know. Deal. More field to the fire than anything. Yeah. Honestly. Speaking of fields. What do you think of Justin Fields? I think I've got high hopes for him. Yeah. I'm really excited about him. Yeah. I can't wait. Man. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be great. Now you know the history of these Ohio State quarterbacks, right? Right. Yeah. They, they all turn out to be busts. I say they hasn't. I mean, the last Craig Krenzel was a Ohio State guy um, from 2000. He's the one guy here. Is that 2002, 2003 for the Bears? Haskins. Haskins. Remember that guy? Dwayne. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins. 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 Wasn't he like the seventh pick or something? Yeah. yeah. Cardell Jones. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, just 
Who is Braxton Miller? Stop, stop. No negativity. The Bears have a good quarterback. We're not talking bad about this. Nope, 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 nope. I think that was the great pick. Yes. I, yeah, and I think he's going to be really good, too. I think he's going to save Pace and Nagy's job. Yeah. Exactly. Do you like them, Pace and Nagy? Well, again, I was gone. I don't know about a Look, so, they clearly screwed up on the Trubisky duel, well, yeah, right? Trading up to get Trubisky when they could have had, are you kidding, Patrick Mahomes? Right. Or Deshaun Watson? Right. My yes. God, yeah. what was that all about? And, and he moved up. He traded from three to two. He gave... Yeah, three to two. I know. It's just, in reality, you would have walked away with... That's my thing. He's always fixing his mistakes. He fucking took Mr. Trubisky. Oh, I fucked up, so I got to draft, draft Justin Fields. Oh, I fucked up with... Uh, Who's the tight end they used to call Shaheen. Shaheen. So now we got to go get Komet. We fucked up with the wide receiver position, so now we got to go get Allen Robinson. It's always, you know, situation. Hopefully this yeah. finally is the solution. Justin Fields is the guy, and uh, we're just done with it, you know? Yes, you point out the negatives, and yet, in spite of it all, I mean, they were a postseason team last year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah got a good defense, great defense. Seven and nine. Wait, did they go seven and nine or eight and eight? I think they went 8-8. Eight 8-8, eight. Eight eight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Still 8-8. Eight eight. Eight eight. That's okay. Now we uh, have 17 games. In the season. That's right, we have 17 yeah. games. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's going to be I, I think that the Justin Fields was the way to go in that draft. We got lucky that he fell. Was it the 13th pick? 11th? 11th pick. 11th pick. Or was it 13th? No, 11th pick. They, um, they're plus 2,400. They traded up for the 11th pick, didn't they? Right. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they were 13th. They traded yeah. up. Uh, they're plus 2,400 to win the Super Bowl right now and the, the gambling odds right now. Would you guys put some peanuts on that? Mm-hmm. Put 10 bucks to win, what, 250 Not a bad idea. I'm intrigued. I don't know if I would yet. I'm still... I still but you know how futures work. You, you put down 10 exactly. and you make the playoffs, you cash out for 50 It would definitely be a situation where you could probably make some money off. you a big betting guy now? I'm not a big betting guy, but if you're asking me what I bet on the Bears based on what you just said... Okay. Yeah, it's a question of are you going to make a decision based on your head or your heart? No, okay. I always make it with my heart for the Bears. I make it with them. my heart, so therefore I'm betting on the Bears. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I oh, would yeah. bet. I'd make a bet. Speaking of betting, during your time as governor, you did not legalize gambling, so I've got a bone to pick with you. Why is that? When you say I didn't legalize gambling, what kind of gambling? Sports betting. Oh. I don't care about it. Was that, I don't know that that was a big issue back then. Was it? Was it? Yeah, I don't it, think it was. You had to go to Vegas, right? It was just like that was the, the unwritten rule. No, let me. Well, no, I'll be happy to answer that, and maybe your listeners might may not appreciate my answer because I have a record. Yeah. So we looked at that because that's a way to generate revenue better than raising taxes. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to raise taxes on people, and I didn't. Yep. And I fought against Madigan and the Democrats who only want to raise taxes. And frankly, it's a lot of the Republicans want to as well, but they want the Democrats to be the ones who do it because all those people want your money, yeah. so they can use your money for the stuff they think is important. Not necessarily for the benefit of you. You see, that's how the system works, and both parties are guilty of this. But the Democrats, certainly in the Madigan regime, are the big heavies on it. So I was fighting against raising taxes, and we were always looking for ways to make the investments where we didn't raise taxes. So something like that, fan betting, would have been something I'd have looked at seriously. Having said that, again, your listeners may not appreciate this, but I take great pride in the fact that my first two years as governor... Man, I socked it to the casinos. I put a 70% tax on the riverboat casinos in Illinois. Man. 70. Okay? Oh and if God. I had my druthers, I'd have made it 90. Oh. Okay? I fought hard to get 70. Yeah. And it was Madigan put a two-year sunset on it. 
So I only got it for two years, and we had to try to get it every other year. And I wasn't able to get it that high anymore. And I asked me why I was doing that. Why? Why were you doing that? Because it's a, gambling is a dangerous thing, and I don't want yes. to take away from your no, business. No, 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-GAMBLER, responsible gambling. Only if you guys have a problem with gambling, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, and remember Aristotle, all things in moderation. Right. Exactly. Right? Exactly. I've seen people destroy far. themselves with addictions to gambling. And... I'm afraid of it because I think I like it too much. Yeah. And I'm afraid that if I once I got a taste of some of that and I do that consistently, there, there may be no stopping me. Right. So I discipline myself and keep away. Okay. Okay? Yeah, it's good. But I understand it's a free country and people have a right to make their own decisions and we're grown-ups and adults. You should make your own choices. But you take a social evil like gambling, which I think this is what it is, mm-hmm. like you do with cigarette smoke, yeah. right? Everybody likes in politics we like to put taxes on, the, on cigarettes. There's public health reasons why as well. It's a way to generate revenue. And from a political standpoint, it's no longer that hard to do. You do it on alcohol, okay, now marijuana, right? And and gambling. But So my feeling was when you're raising revenue and you're encouraging people to go out and spend all this money in slot machines, and the house always wins. Mm -hmm. Sooner or later, the house wins. Right? You may win here and there, but the house is going to win in the long run. The house ought to serve the benefit of the general, of the common good in the public. Therefore, okay, you're still making a whole bunch of money, you casino owners. For people betting, what are you making? You're not making any products, producing nothing, creating some jobs. So we, the people, would like more of that. As much of that as we can get, we're still profitable for you. And if it's not profitable for them, they're going to get out of the business. And so that 70% tax, they didn't like it, but they stayed in business. They still made a lot of money. And we had more money for health care for children and things like that, and I didn't have to raise taxes on the people. So from that point of view, I thought that was the right thing to do. Yeah, oh yeah. And it it shows you how much people still want to do it if they're going to pay off 70% tax. I mean, look at the weed tax right now. It's, what, 30% in Illinois? People are still going to dispensary. Something outlandish, yeah. So... Uh, can I bring it up? The weed? Yeah, go ahead. Why didn't you, you know, are you a weed guy? No. You're not a weed guy. You you do I do it? Yeah. Yeah, I was asked that question uh, when I was the Democratic nominee for governor. Okay. Like the fall of 2002, I'm ahead in the polls. I'm, Worst question to get asked, by the way. Well, I mean, I, here, here was my mistake dealing with the media, because they're so full of shit. Yeah. And they're so dishonest, mm-hmm. okay? And they don't, like, appreciate honesty. So this reporter asked me this question. He says, you ever smoke marijuana? And I said, yes. And he said, um, how many times? I said, oh, I, you know what? I don't, even, I don't think he asked how many times. He said, you ever, try, you ever smoke marijuana? I said, yes, I tried it twice. That was my answer. Try it twice. That's the true answer. Mm-hmm. It was always around me, my generation. They all, everybody sure. did it. Sure. That smell was very common, knew it, very familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Close friends did it. Yeah, with their bongs and stuff. God bless them. Let them. They should do it. I'm not against that. And I'm and not. I would, if I were governor, I'm sure I would have probably voted to legalize, signed a legalization. I want. I prefer my kids not doing it. I hope they don't. My recommendation is people should try not to do it, but they like it, they do it. All right. Unless you got glaucoma, then you ought to do it. In any event. Um, so I asked to answer the question. Yeah, I tried it twice, and the guy says, "Does did you inhale?" Because remember Bill Clinton, remember? Yes. Right? He said, I, I smoked at a time or two, yeah. but I didn't inhale. Yeah, right? always do that guy. Okay? So, <laughs> the guy, so he asked me, did you inhale? I answer this honest thing, and I say, you know, I really don't know. Because I don't smoke. I'm not quite sure I know how to inhale. Because you got to uh-huh. suck it into your lungs or something. Yeah, right, 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 right. 
And so they made a big, big deal out of that, right? And Jay Leno was mocking me, like I didn't learn the lesson from Bill Clinton and all the rest. So the answer is I tried it twice. I'm not sure if I inhaled or not. So you didn't get high? I didn't get anything out of it, no. I kind of want to talk about your running, because yes. it, it inspired me. I want to show you a quick picture oh. of what, uh, this was a couple hundred pounds ago. You want to take a look? That's what, that's what I look like. Honestly? Yeah. That's me. God, God bless you, man. Yeah. So, uh, running. God bless you. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's yeah. impressive. Well done. I think I'm still, but I, I No, no, it. no. That's remarkable. Thank Good you. for you. I appreciate yeah, it. How, tell me what you do. I used to, I cut out run, or I cut out, uh, cut out running. That would be proud. I cut out, uh, sodas. Yeah, right? that's and then a I good. I started getting on the treadmill. I was like, yeah. dude, I kept looking in the mirror and I was like, jeez, I'm a big boy, bro. I'm getting fat. So started uh, getting on the treadmill once a day, ran one to three miles a day. And, uh, here I am a couple hundred pounds later. Fantastic. Yeah. That speaks well of you. What, what made you want to just, what inspired you to run? And by the way, real quick before I get into it, um, Mike North wanted me to say hi. Oh, wow. Mike yeah. North Is he still on the radio? Yeah, he's still on the radio. Yeah. He he's a legend. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah. He wanted me to say hi, and he also wanted to say, uh, mention when you ran his marathon, the six block marathon by his house. Okay. So he yes. wanted me to mention that. So yes. what got you into uh, running? Well, so I played on the, on the Foreman High School basketball oh, team. Thank you. And, uh, Thank you so much. So good. I played a lot of basketball in the neighborhood, you know, schoolyards and parks, brother and the high school basketball team. I was, my coach didn't share my confidence. He didn't have the same confidence in my jump shot as I did. So I spent a lot of time on the bench, but I was on the team. You should have told him that you're the future governor. I think those ideas probably started formulating when I was sitting on the bench because I had a lot of time to think. Yeah. In any event, so when I took up boxing and started training for the Golden Gloves, running was part of the training. Yeah. And so, you know, I did it, and uh, but I, uh, I just I just developed that habit. And then when the boxing was over, which fortunately wasn't that long, it was just my senior year of high school. Right about that time, the long distance running started becoming like a regular thing for people. Okay. This was like in the this was the mid seventies, seventy five, seventy six. And uh, they had this guy named Jim Fitz who wrote this book called The Complete Book of Running, and he'd run a marathon. Ironically, the poor guy died of a heart attack. He was a big runner, but he had a... Yeah. So I, sta- I, I, I stayed, I went to college, and I kept running. I'll tell you why. Just for vanity reasons. I just wanted to yeah. stay thin and eat, eat whatever I wanted to eat. Yeah. And, and then I, I, I like working out. There's a, an emotional part to that as well. And right. i got to tell you... That prison experience for eight years would have been unbearable had I not had the good fortune of at least having good workout facilities there and the ability to run. It's an escape. It's an escape to, and how is it running now? And you, like, I'm running eight years probably in a confined space. How is it running now? You have the freedom to run the block. It's great. I'm slower. Eight years went by. Bad running shoes there, and you're running in circles. Yeah. Right? And there's a slant. I think the camera's a it slants a certain part, so you're really kind of screwing up part of your biomechanics, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. running that way. But that's where you could run, so you did it for years. Mm-hmm. And the bad shoes. So now that I'm back, the shoes are much better, oh, yeah. right? And I don't have to run in a circle anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 25 times to Great do 7 miles or 28 yeah. times to do it. 
And so I run through the neighborhoods and um, but I ran last night and it's fantastic. It's just great. And, I, and every time I go running, I, I feel it's a reminder to me that I'm home. Yeah. That's yeah, you get yeah. to see a new that's view awesome. every day, and that's what I love about running outside. Is like, there's always something new, different car, different beat, you know, some different person people watch while running. You look fantastic, well, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Your yeah. listeners should really appreciate the fact that you, you know, you're able to... Dropped a couple hundred, yeah. Well, it's just, it's healthier, too. It's a healthier lifestyle. Sure. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, when you got out, what was your first, uh, what was that meal that you were thinking of that you had to have? The exact same thing I ate when I left. It was my my wife, God love her. She my mother's spaghetti recipe. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was my last supper. Right, right. And then once we settled in after a couple of days, because there was like a, a lot of uh, activity going on sure. when I first came home. Sure. She made me my mother's spaghetti. That's awesome. Yeah, fantastic. And needless to say, it's not a vegan recipe. Right. It's okay. great. <laughs> yeah, it's got meatballs in there, and yeah. sausages, and meat sauce. So she that? makes it for you, but she yeah. doesn't eat it. She doesn't eat That's it. That's love. That's love. She's just. Right that is yes. the definition of love, right there. Well, there's more to it than that. Of course. Of course. Okay. You know what I'm saying? That's, right. that's right there. That's love to me. Oh right. my gosh. Way more than that. But one of wow. the many love languages. Hell yeah. You know that. Um, I have a segment where the fans ask. I have not fans. Uh, listeners ask uh, two okay. questions. So I have two questions I want to ask. Okay. Who's your hairstylist? Plus, we gotta ask because look at my hair; it's going. Look at his hair; it's, we're in desperation. I'm, I'm here asking you as a friend. I, help me out. Ask some guys. What's going on? How would you keep this good for eight years? Especially when you've had limited products. So, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, right. Cleats. I, well, I don't know what the answer is, except I can tell you what I do. Okay. Maybe I comb my hair all the time. I've been doing that since the disco era. I came of age in the disco era when a hairbrush was an extension of your right, right hand. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's that. It's got to be, dude. It might probably have more to do with jeans. But <laughs> oh, nice talking. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Jeans, huh? Diet. Diet. Huh? Giant diet jeans. Favorite disco song? Staying Alive. Staying Alive Great by song. Oh, yeah. yeah. By the way, my barber, let me plug him. His name is uh, Peter Vodavos. Uh, Mr. Barbara. He's in Streeterville. And he's a great guy. Oh, yeah. Been cutting my hair for a long, long time. He actually gave Mick Jagger a haircut. Yeah, really? Yeah. Oh. Peter Vodavos. Peter Vodavos. Shout yes. out Peter Vodavos. Yeah. Mr. Streeter. Barber. It's called Mr. Barber. He's in Streeterville on uh, Walton. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Somebody wanted me to ask about your Oxford suits because they said when you were governor you didn't have anything less than 10 grand suit. Where are your suits? You still got them? Still no, I've given 25 of them away. I give them, I, I give them away to um, an organization called I Am a Gentleman. Nice. And uh, they're, uh, they have a... It's an organization that helps mentor young black kids, mm-hmm. and awesome. they dress them so that they can go to a job interview and, and be dressed nice, wow. and they mentor them and tr- try to teach them how to deal with job interviews, be responsible, do their homework, and the stuff that kids who all too often don't have dads in the house sure, right. need more direction, so I've donated 25 of those, and interestingly enough, my I'm replacing those suits with my new tailor who's... My barber, Peter Votavos's brother, Gregory Votavos, and he's in Straderville as well. He's got a little tailor shop. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. And he's, uh, he made clothes for Mike Tyson. Oh, that's a- Yeah. So he's making the new suits, which I've, I've got a few now because they're cut different. Sure. But, uh, you know, it's tools of the trade for a guy like me who's sometimes on television. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to need to go in for it as a tailor. It sounds like uh, somebody I need because I definitely don't have a tailor at all. 
I think I just put like men's warehouse for my stuff. I got a wedding coming up. Now you got a place. Mine, mine paid. Yeah, mine was the wrong size, so I'm pretty pissed about that. You know that saying about um, some? There's an old saying about you know no fitting suit or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or that guy looks like he's wearing a cheap suit or whatever. Well, the re- there's a reason why they're th- those sayings have become sayings, right? Yeah. So my advice is you're better off having less of a lesser quality or, or less of a good quality than more of a bad quality. You see what I'm saying? Yes. That'd be my advice. Sporting, white foots, pants, and the good meat. Since if your lawyer looks like this, you're going to jail. Is that really her? Yeah, it's her. If you're joking, I'll show you her. Mayor, white. I mean, is that the style now? No, that's nope. not the style. That's nope. the thing. Definitely not. That's how she came. But you didn't see this? No, I didn't. Wow. Who's own. her tailor? You got text I'll tell you right now that her tailor is not my friend Gregory Vodafone. There you go, right there. Wow. Shout out right there. Um, but yeah. Good, good shout out. Um, yeah. It's been it's been great. This it's has been, been awesome. Tremendous oh, conversation. Yeah. We can't thank you enough for. Well, good luck to you time. guys. I appreciate that. We appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you coming out to Las Corolla. And, uh, and before plug your podcast, yeah, we want to talk really a little bit more about and, Lightning Where the Lightning Rod podcast, uh, I do maybe an episode once every couple of weeks now. I, I was doing them more frequently, but I'm a lot busier these sure. days on other things. And uh, I talk about the issues of the day. I talk a lot about crime. I just listened to the last one. It's about crime in Chicago. Yes, right? uh, the mass shootings. Yeah, right. yeah. Yes. yeah. And then it, sometimes I'll just tell the story about Chicago politics or just tell the story about right. things. And, right. And so you can get it at WLS, Spotify, iTunes, and uh, they're fun to do. Enjoy oh, right. having a chance to be with you guys. I'm happy for your podcast and the success you guys oh, have. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Thank you. Appreciate you coming on. And Thank we'll wrap you so it up much. And we'll go enjoy some uh, food that Armando left over there for us because uh, I've seen it. Holy cow. Yeah, it's a lot. So just one last thing. Steve McMichael, we met that way. Yes, you this know. is how we met. Yeah, and so just if we can just plug the Here's Steve Sean. McMichael yeah. GoFundMe yeah. page and all the rest. He's going through a very difficult time. That's a terrible, terrible disease. His wife, Misty's little girl, Maze. Her name is... Uh, Macy. Yes. 13 years old. I know what a lot of what he's going through because the feeling that you're going to leave your family and they're not going to be able to have anybody care for them or provide for them. And so whatever people can do to help fund his GoFundMe page. My wife and I made a donation. You guys were there. You guys helped. God bless you guys. It's a nice thing to do for a very good guy. Great guy. Really good heart. Great guy. I know we're going to let you go and wrap this up, but he, uh, he reached out to you. He did. Everything was going on. You never met the guy. Never. And he reached out wow. to you, just telling him, he's like, hey, make sure you take care. Like, just focus on your kids. Focus on kids. And I that's one of the greatest stories. Yeah. He saw me get my ass kicked in the media. He saw I was about to leave my family and have to go to prison. And he called me on the eve of my departure to wish me luck and to just sort of, like, give me words of encouragement. And like you said, he, he said, you know, it's no longer really about you. It's about you being strong for your daughters. Right. And that's how he is now. Yeah. And uh, you guys helping him like that is a great thing. God bless you guys. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Mongo, Team Mongo. Uh, anyone, Mongo, guys, go yeah. check out the fundraiser. And, uh, Rod, we appreciate you coming out. Thanks, Mike. Thank Join so me. Much. Thank you so much. Nice yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That was Rod Bogoyevich on uh, the Mikey Bet Show. I uh, think that was a great interview, Chris. It was awesome. All right. So... I really liked how he just kept saying that he was fucking innocent the whole time. He's innocent. Obviously, the guy uh, 
The guy's here, huh? We had to do a nice little interview with the guy. Right. Remember, uh, so I got a text from Danny. He was like, yo, basically Donnie put him on a silver platter for you. He said he pardoned him. He said if, if you didn't pardon, if he didn't pardon him, I would have never got to have him on the, the Mikey Betts show. And I was like, damn, so true. And uh, that's really all I took away from that. But uh, yeah, yeah. it was it, it was a great interview. And I there's some shit that I didn't think he was going to say. I can't believe how lighthearted he was and just uh, tongue-in-cheek. Um, just a genuine guy. And, and, you know, the funniest part of it just led right into it is I didn't even ask him about, like, who would win in a fight, him or JB. But he rolled with the punches on that one. And uh, his thoughts on Justin Field, I like that. I didn't like his thoughts on uh, Soldier Field. Um, I thought that was uh, just definitely a – just, uh, I don't know, just like, hey, Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. Hey, well, Chicago is not the only – you know, uh, they were the Decatur Bears. I hope they know that at first. And uh, they reside in uh, – they don't reside in Chicago, do they, Chris? They reside in a, north, in a suburb. Mm-hmm. I believe that is – Lake Forest, right? They are the Chicago Bears who reside. The home is in Lake Forest. So if you guys want to come at me, come correct, please. Thank you, at Rod Blavich. Um But great interview, great talk. Uh, what else do we got to talk about this week? We we don't really have anything for the Bears. There's, there's uh, a lot to talk about. Um, fantasy football we have fantasy football coming up soon uh we have a lot to talk about actually for fantasy football and uh it's going to be exciting next week we are taking the week off we're going to go celebrate the fourth of july with uh the the peeps yeah we're gonna take a little time off before season two gets started yeah Yeah, we're gonna give ourselves a nice week and a half week break and uh we're gonna get right back into it keep you guys happy we got all the information for fantasy football not like these other guys that are gonna Oh, well, 4.3% of this and uh, 6.8 yards rushing. Nah, dude, we're going to tell you how it is, who it is, who's refing, because that's a lot of what it has to do with the games, who you should draft, when you should draft them, who's fucking uh, sleepers, who's not, you know, who's a bust. We got it all. So uh, make sure you guys follow the Mikey Betts show as well, and and, uh, we're going to help you out through fantasy football, and we're going to help you out through actual football betting. And uh, it's it's going to be fun. I can't wait. I love baseball betting, but football is where it's at. That's where the money's at for me. And um, less than 100 days away, Chris. Yes, sir. Less than 100 days away. My own. I can't, can't wait. wait. I can't fucking wait. But speaking of bets, uh, let's talk about the bets. And before we talk about the bets, let's talk about where you can place those bets, Chris. As we get into the bets, Mikey, where can we place these bets? Where are you going to place your bets? Well, Seaweed, I'm going to be going to Bet Rivers, Illinois. I'm going to be going to the Bet Rivers, Illinois app. That's right. And if you guys use that, you will be able to use the promo code MikeyBets, where you will get a match deposit up to $250. That's $250 schmackaroos. Yes, I said schmackaroos. Uh on your first deposit. So make sure you guys go ahead and use that promo code Mikey bets, because I know you guys want to start winning and uh, you guys can always use a free play to uh, start winning fast and ASAP. And if you lose, Hey, well, what? fucking free two fifty dollars right, Chris? Exactly. 
Okay, so let's get into the best of the week. Ooh, that was good, wasn't it, Chris? All right, here we go with the lightning round, guys. We got Hawks, Bucks. I'm going to do Hawks plus two as long as Giannis is out. Uh, we're going to move it to baseball for tonight. Marlins, Phillies. I'm going to go with the Phillies. Money line is uh, minus 130. Uh, definitely going to take that. Dodgers, Nationals, I'm trying to stay away from because the Nationals have been hot lately. Uh, Schwarber's been on a hot streak, which is just, oh, it's got 16 homers in 18 games. Uh, insane. Insane, Chris. But the over is eight and a half. I'm going to take some peanuts on over eight and a half for that game. Pittsburgh Pirates versus the Brewers. Brewers. Next. Astros. Wait, what? No, I said got to go with Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. Facts. Facts. Uh, Especially after they – oops, that was my chair, not me. Astros, Indians. I'm going to go with the Astros. Fuck the Astros. I'm going to go with the Astros next. We're going to go to uh, Padres, Reds. For Padres, Reds, going with the Padres minus a point and a half. Uh, We're going to go Friday night. Sox, Tigers, going to go with the White Sox money line. And then Cubs, Reds, going to go with the Cubs money line as well. Saturday night, we'll push it to Astros, Indians again. This time, I'm going to hit it with the Indian Indians money line. Uh, they're plus 124 right now. Angels, Orioles on Saturday, I'm going with the Angels money line. Monday night, we're going to do Mets, Brewers. I'm going to go with the Mets money line and then Braves Pirates. I'm going to be doing Braves money line as well. Tuesday night, we're going to do Dodgers money line against the Marlins and then we're going to do Blue Jays minus a point and a half, uh, a run and a half against the Orioles. And uh, bonus, bonus, bonus Friday, we're going to do Canadians over the Lightning. And then we're going to kick it to Monday. We're going to do lightning over the Canadians for game four. Uh, that being said, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Mikey Betts show. Uh, 20 seasons – or, oh, jeez, my gosh. Uh, 20 episodes. It's been great. Thank you, everybody, who's uh, helped us out. And, uh, Chris, thank you for uh, just editing in everything, uh, doing everything, being here for all of it. Uh, just being a oh, part yeah. of it side by side and uh can't wait to continue this shit. Season two, uh we'll see you soon. And uh guys, uh, I hope to see you there. All right. That being said, Chris, got anything to say? Season one, just getting started. Find all our past episodes, tune in tune in for season two. In the meantime, with our little break, Listen in to all the great interviews and all the great content we had from season one. Check it all out. Tell a friend. Be on the lookout for Mikey Betts stickers. Oh, yeah, true. If you guys send a sticker, uh, picture of it. Tweeted and uh, we'll, well, we'll do something cool for you, I guess. Uh, we'll see what it is. Yeah. And then uh, also, if you guys could. Uh, be sure to leave us a review on Spotify or Apple or anywhere you guys can leave us a review. I'd appreciate it. Uh, it means a lot to me. And Chris. All right, guys. Good seeing you. Good talking to you. Not even seeing you, but good talking to you. And uh, see you next season. Peace. And uh, now the end is near. And so I face 
the final curtain My friend, I'll say it clear I'll state my case Of which I'm certain I've lived a life that's full I traveled each and every highway And more, much more than this I did it my way Regrets, I've had a few But then again, too few to mention I did what I had to do Saw it through without exemption I planned each charted course Each careful step along the byway And more, much more than this I did it my way Yes, there were times I'm sure you knew When I bit off More than I could chew But through it all When there was doubt I ate it up And spit it out I faced it all And I Had my fill, my share of losing, and now as tears subside, I find it all so amusing to think I did all that, and may I say. Not in a shy way Oh no Oh no, not me I did it my way For what is a man What has he got If not himself Then he has not To say the thing Yes, 
It was mine.